Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 44, Furious 7, Lap 4. A lot of fours. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, and this episode is brought to you by Double Alpha Academy. Double Alpha Academy is a company with a difference. It is a company founded on a vision, promoting excellence, an IPSC shooting, and this vision remains their passion and their motivation. They are totally dedicated to the sport of practical shooting. Shout out Double Alpha Academy. Yes. A higher learning institution. We're in a we're in a weird situation, as as you know probably from our Hobbs and Shaw episode last probably, week. Maybe, hopefully. Hopefully, fingers crossed. We recorded these really kind of screwy. So we recorded the first half of this episode like a week ago. Then we did the entire Hobbs and Shaw episode. So now we're back here. So we're time traveling. After the break, you're going to hear from Kate Hudson of Pajiba, not the Kate Hudson, although to us. She is now the Kate Hudson. She was a great guest. I can't wait for you guys to hear that conversation. We even teased it a little bit, I think, yeah. on the Hobbs and Shaw episode, because she has we did. great theories, really cool ideas about Paul Walker, about how his death changed both this movie, but also the series. I, I don't want to speak at a school, Joe, but I think made both of us think about the movie and the series like in a radically different way. Yeah, dude. Continue listening on Beyond This. It's a good episode, I think. Yeah. Next up would be extracurricular activities. We recorded Hobbs and Shaw five days ago. I got one. I have done, I think, nothing since then. Have you done anything of note in the last five days? Yes. I'm halfway through a thing that I'm doing that I didn't even tell you about. Ooh. Tonight, I prepped a batch of beef jerky. I bought Ooh. Yeah, I bought a um, dehydrator that's coming tomorrow. I already have a deli slicer, so I bought you know, a nice big hunk of beef today. I sliced it up tonight, put it in the marinade. It's ready to go tomorrow when I get the dehydrator. I'll report back. Very cool. So I can't wait to hear that on next week's Fate of the Furious. So in case you missed the scheduling update last week, we are in the middle of a 10-week-in-a-row stretch with a new episode every week. Jerky update next week, Fate of the Furious. I hope it's good. I can't imagine it's going to be bad. It's like, it's fucking beef jerky. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure you could probably, and this is not throwing shade at you i just think you can do better but i think that there's no way that you're gonna turn it's gonna be gross you know what i mean yeah either if it's edible it's gonna be good so yeah the marinade's good like i like i made the marinade tonight if you can eat the marinade the marinade's good chances are you you're close you know what i mean like what can really go wrong with it so we are in talks for another very cool guest next week Uh, so i'm excited about that talk about fate again once more i'm excited the other big thing and i think we might have even what teased this a little bit last week on hobbs and shaw is that now that Hobbs and Shaw is out, Furious 7 and Fate kind of take on, especially Furious 7, but I think Fate also take on brand new meanings. Yeah. And I think they're going to be very interesting to watch knowing where, even though it's sort of a spinoff and not exactly, like it's canon, but it's not main story, knowing where those characters go and sort of where the world evolves into, I think sort of dictates and sort of guides theories and ideas and stuff, you know, in 7 and 8. I agree, and I'm really excited to watch 8 through the lens of Hobbs and Shaw, because we've seen Hobbs and Shaw twice, then we talked about 7, we talked about Hobbs and Shaw again, so we're going to go into 8 pretty fresh, like right at this time too, so uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation to like revisit 8 now in the context of Hobbs and Shaw. I totally agree with you. Absolutely. Um, and then we're going to be talking about Hobbs and Shaw again two weeks after that. So there's going to be a lot of Hobbs and Shaw talk, a lot of, you know, it's always going to be fresh on the brain. Uh, we got a lot going on here. We also have 
a Patreon page, patreon.com slash too fast too forever, or just easily too fast too forever.com. If you're listening, if you love the show, there's a couple things you can do to really help the show. Number one, write in emails. We're going to do the, the mailbag in a little bit. Mm-hmm. We love hearing from you. We love hearing your rankings, your thoughts on the movies, Dude. your thoughts on our thoughts, whatever you want to share. We love hearing it. I think that genuinely we have the best fans. And I'm not saying that like just in like a fun, like a weird way or whatever, but just like I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, holy fuck. Our fans are great. Like, they write us in all the time. They talk. We know all about them. It's, yep. it's a big family. And, like, yes. So that was all I had to say. Sorry. Salute me familia. Exactly. Right in. Number one. The most important thing, I think, to us, right in. Number two, the next and most important thing is you can leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or Google Play. Give us five stars. Write something funny. Wells wrote a couple really funny reviews. We read Rachel's last week. Mm-hmm. There's no new reviews on iTunes today. But give us five stars. Write a review. We'll read it on air. We'll thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Amen. It's a great way through whatever algorithms that these podcatchers have to boost our show up, make it more searchable, more popular, more findable. If you've not done so already, just go on there, whatever app you use to listen to it. Give us five stars. Let the world know that they should be listening to our podcast. Yeah, tell me to go fuck myself. The other, so similarly, we have a YouTube series, a YouTube channel now, which we now have a custom URL, so it's youtube.com slash C, as in channel, slash too fast, too forever. We did something a little different what? for the Hobbs and Shaw episode. We oh, put up yeah. two versions. So we put up the full version that you all heard, the two hour and 10 minute version, or whatever that we released last week. We also put up an hour and six minute version, which is the very opening and then the back half of the episode. So if you have a friend who loves these movies and you don't know if they would necessarily be down with our weirdness in terms of hour and at a least half right off the bat intro stuff. Direct them to our YouTube channel. We have an hour and six minute version that says discussion only and it's just back half there's nothing new there, so there's no reason that you need to listen to this. If you're listening to this, you don't have to go find that. But if you want to share this with a friend and be like, I don't know if they want to hear an hour about like burgers and reading emails and stuff, which we love, but if your friend might not, send them to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash Too Fast Too Forever, and that's over there, just letting you know. I don't know if we do that every episode, but I feel like for Hobbs and Shaw, because it's fresh on the brain, it's a great way to maybe bring in more people. Yeah, if if you have somebody that would be confused by the, you know, 40 email chain discussions we have going on, it's a good place to to recommend them to start if they've seen Hobbs and Shaw and just like get the feel for what we talk about in the movies or like what the movies are like, like what our normal discussions are. Yeah, it establishes our Too Fast, Too Forever, Fast and Furious bona fides. Because I feel like a lot of the time, you know, since really lap one, you know, you and I chime in, we have new ideas, new lab observations, whatever. But I feel like for the most part, we're letting the, the guest guide the ship. Yeah, it's guest This is an episode where it's just you and me talking about it. We're like, we know these movies. We've got ideas. We've got theories. We've got thoughts. If people want to know, do we have the goods? I think the answer is yes. But also, I think that the, the this specific hour and six-minute YouTube video proves it. Yeah, I think so, too. So it's just something interesting that, that we tried. So Yeah. Another thing you can do to support the show is go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash forever or forever.com. This is a site where you can kick us a couple bucks per month, and you can get merch, Some you can stickers. get stickers. Yeah. We've gonna, we're going to have a contest separate from Patreon that we're going to do the entirety of next lap. Oh, I'm so, so excited. We'll introduce that in a couple episodes, probably on the Relap Recap. So stay tuned for that. I'm glad that you were on board with it. I think it's a pretty cool idea. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Swag and stickers, early access to episodes, bonus episodes, 
access the Fast and Furious Minute document, which we'll do another minute tonight. Dude, these stickers are so cool. I got them in my hand right now because they were on the table in front of me, and they're really awesome. I'm so glad they came out like this. Your choice of Pit Stop movies and or themes, voting for all Pit Stop fan-selected movies, and also, most importantly, our undying love and affection. So please, if you have a couple bucks to kick us, we're never going to be able to retire, I don't think, and just do the podcast full time. Although, if we can... The Trap House, Trap House guys make like 145k a month on on Patreon. Jesus so it's like Christ. people like podcasts can do it. If you have a couple bucks and you want to, it really, we are not. So here, I sort of feel weird asking for money, but also to keep in mind, we're not pocketing this money. We're putting it's it not. all into no. products <laughs> yeah. that went into the stickers. It goes into Facebook advertising. So basically, if you want to help the show get bigger, and if you want to help create merch and swag that you can buy or wear or just get for free or via Patreon. Check that out. Again, yeah. we're it, not getting rich off the <laughs> the handful of people who are giving us money. We thank each of you from the bottom of our heart. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, and Nick Burris. I promise. It's it's going straight into like us coming up with fun ideas of dumb shit that we want to make. So It's going into Mark Zuckerberg's pocket, essentially. So if you want to make him <laughs> richer... It's like stickers and... Yeah, and like the idea is like we're like, okay, wait, when we get here... like Oh, and like, dude, for... Do you want to use the beep technology? What? We're going to have to get the fucking design... Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh. But, yeah, for, for future merch ideas and stuff like that, we're going to have some new designs and stuff like that. So this money is going to go towards that. So, again, we're not becoming rich overnight. We still both have jobs. Do the 9 to 5 grind on. But if you want to help make the show bigger, TooFast2Forever.com is a great place to do it. Yep. Email address, family at cageclub.me. Joe, we have five emails tonight spread across two emailers. Okay, how long was it that that we got these five emails in? Because it must have been like, Hobbs and Shaw came out last Tuesday, right? So we recorded on Friday night, and so it's Wednesday now. So in the last five days, we've gotten, basically since Monday, we've gotten five emails. Yes. That's a good average. I like that. So the first email from Wes Hampton. This is the video. Did you watch the video that I sent you today? Fuck, no, you didn't remind me. God damn it. It's not my job to remind you to do things. I know. I know it's not. But you send them at, like, weird times. I send them when you're at work, and all day at work, you're like, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Here's a video. Okay, cool. Sorry. I didn't watch it yet. I was, you know well, what Wes, I was watching? I was I watched watching it. engine teardown videos all day today. And I got, like, really sucked into this YouTube hole and engine teardown videos, so. What up, fam? Just a quick little message for you. I was looking at my YouTube recommendations. I'm going to watch it And I had one for an episode in a series called VFX Artists React. Since I got these reaction videos recommended constantly, and I never watch them, but this one caught my attention because it's specifically about resurrecting deceased actors. Ah. It says the first three minutes or so was about Paul Walker and Furious 7 was really interesting. Okay. Their takeaway was that this was the best work ever done in terms of recreating a person for a film. I actually had no idea which scenes Paul filmed and which ones his brothers did for him, and even when I tried to guess, I couldn't tell. Oh. But says the only spot that ever was really obvious to me was the look between him and Dom at the very end, which they address as to why it stands out more than the rest. And now that they've pointed out a few scenes, it's crazy because I still can't really see it. Yeah, I think that they do a great job in the CGI. And I'm with Wes. I think the only part that I ever really notice is that last drive and with him and Dom. That one feels a little uneasy to me, but the rest of them, I'm with him. I, I can't tell. There's a couple scenes in here that when they pointed out, like, I'm able to see it, but when I'm watching the movie, I don't catch it. I think I always knew that the final scene was CGI, because in my brain, it had to be. But... The cool thing, and we can post this video on our Twitter, because I think, and also put it on the Patreon page, Mm -hmm. the cool thing about it is that it's not a CGI remapping of his face. They took his face from, I think, 
two or four, maybe? And they took that face and they put it on his brother's face. So it's not like they completely rebuilt him from scratch. It was another car, another scene where the car pulls up alongside where Brian's in the driver's seat. Maybe it's even from the first one. Uh. It's from one of the early movies. And they take his face off and they put it on there. So, like, it's it's actually his face on his brother's face. So it's not like a computer rendering. It's actually his face kind of remapped onto a different actor. Uh, okay. And that's really super cool. Watching this video... And thinking about what you'll hear Kate's theories in the back half of this episode, I think the two of those together are going to give you deeper insight into why certain scenes had to be CGI. Like why oh, that's right. like yeah. a random scene in the middle of the movie or the beginning of the movie feels like, well, why didn't they just shoot that with Paul Wall? Like, I don't understand why they wouldn't have done that other than that they just shot out of order or whatever. But it feels like those might have been the scenes to sort of rewrite the story, rewrite the plot. So we get from A to B to C and have them sort of have a happy ending as a family all the, all together at the end. Yes, I agree. So check out the video. It's going to be on our it'll be on our Facebook page, but I feel like we post enough on there that it might get buried. But check out either Twitter or check out our Patreon page or just search VFX Artists React, just, you know, deceased actors or Fast and Furious. And it's like a 13-minute video. The first 3 minutes are about this. That's all I watched, so check that out. Thank you, Wes, for sending the link. I'll watch it. Sorry. I... Next email from Nick Burris. Hey, guys. Just watched Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. So busy, I was not able to get to the theater. Finally did, and that's all that matters. So I'm glad. Amen. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see what the email says. Yeah, let's see. Anyways, love the banter through the whole movie. Love Deadpool, parentheses, Ryan. So this is funny shit going on. Made me smile. Yeah, I agree. Kevin Hart, I didn't know, but once I saw him, it made sense since he and The Rock do a lot of movies. What do you mean you didn't know Kevin Hart? Like, you didn't know... You might not have known about Kevin Hart? I don't know. I mean, I think that he is... He's in a handful of movies. I think that if you're not into the comedy world, like, I feel like he's a big star, but that's why I was saying... Yeah, that's fair. Ryan Reynolds, I think, to general society, he's bigger than Kevin Hart. I think Kevin Hart, to a specific group of people, is enormous, even though he is a short man. <laughs> but to the general public, Ryan Reynolds has been around, or at least in the public eye, much True. longer. Yeah, I can see it. And I feel like he's just sort of the bigger. So that's why in the last episode, I was like, the biggest cameo or the biggest, you know, other role is Ryan Reynolds. You're like, no, I, I don't think like, so. I don't know, yeah. Like, I think to certain groups, like, Ryan Reynolds cannot hold a candle to Kevin Hart, but I think to, like, most of America, and probably even most of the world, Ryan Reynolds is the bigger star. I have been on the Kevin Hart train. I know probably you have, too, from the stand-up comedy eras. Actually, I don't think I've ever seen him do stand-up. Really? really? That, like, my my baby's like a crackhead. You've never seen any nope. of these things? No. Nope. Or no, that was, sorry, that was Cat Williams. Never mind. Um, no, I've definitely, I've seen him, and I've seen him live do, I've seen Kevin Hart do stand-up live. A lot of his stand-ups were about his wives, as in he does a stand-up, tells jokes about his wife, and then they, like, get divorced afterwards or something. Cool. <laughs> oh, do you don't remember, like, Say It With Your Chest, You Go Learn Today? No. I, don't, I, oh. I couldn't tell you, like, for, I don't know anything about a stand-up. Oh, interesting. You gonna learn today. That's like his like big thing. He said he had this like uncle in jail and and when he came back he would just say like all kinds of like rowdy jail stuff that doesn't make sense. He kinda kinda talks like Antonio Brown now. I don't know a single thing about it. Anyway. Okay. Nick sorry. goes on. He said he did notice that the daughter was different, so he's on team Rachel there. He says he does watch Ink Master from time to time, Ooh. even though he doesn't have any tattoos. It amazes him how good they all how how good Dude. and artistic they all are. They are really good. I mean, we're recording this as Wednesday night, so last there was an episode on last night, and, like, it's just incredible. Sometimes they put out some crazy-ass design, Like, just the designs, the technique, like, I can imagine that's really hard. I've never tried it, but, like, I'm shitty at drawing and coloring. And then to have to, like, layer it and do all this other stuff, it's like painting and a physical act, and there's, like, it's crazy. Yeah. Nick says, I like Brixton. Uh, he was in Pacific Rim, which he was in. I love that movie. The, first, the second movie, People's not great, Elba. but the first one, a lot of fun, says he was an awesome character. 
So I agree. We agree. I hope you uh, enjoyed our deep dive into Bricks and into all things Hobbs and Shaw last week. If you like Idris Elba, then go watch the hot ones. Uh, he says, Vanessa Kirby reminded me and had the look of her face of Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. I can, I can see, like, the hair coloring and the paleness and the soft feature, like, the soft face. Yeah, I can I can see I it. also think that there's there's not a ton of sort of badass ladies doing action right true. now. True. Very true. And uh, they're definitely two of maybe the five or ten. So I think in that comparison, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, too. So at the very end, he thought he heard a tidbit of John Cena voice, but during a little bit replay, it wasn't. He doesn't think. So he's, he's, he thought he heard John Cena, thought back, wasn't sure, but maybe, I mean... Well, John Cena's going to be a nine. Right. Maybe a John Cena why. on the brain. Because we talked about in the last episode that I think that these movies are going to cross over again. You're not so sure, but I think it would be kind of a weird crossover to have John Cena in this one if he's only being introduced in 9. You yes. know what I mean? Like, unless he's the crossover character, who knows? But I feel like... Ah, I maybe. Maybe. Maybe Nick's on to something, yeah. So there's another callback to the Fasterverse. He says he thinks The Rock says, watch your, watch your, watch your back. Something like that. Oh, he does say watch your back at some point. And I wasn't even thinking about it. We literally just did this minute, like, a couple episodes ago. Shout out to the Ford Bronco in the beginning, and I love all the 4x4 30s and 40s cars and trucks in Samoa. Yes. So from the 33 Ford to the 48 Dodge Power Wagon to the little Pete. Maybe a small Peterbilt truck? Is that what he's talking about? Oh, maybe. Maybe. Because it looked like it was a chopped Peterbilt truck, right? So... Yeah, the Hobbs customs are all beautiful. Like, they're all the old, like, sort of restored, old-timey, but they all have the, the moonshine in them, so... Super cool cars. You know, we, we've never really gotten a lot of features of these, like, rat rod kind of classic American graffiti-style cars, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was our first exposure to it. So if you're a fan of cars and you do like the genre, this is, like, the first time you finally got, you know, your back scratched in this or something. Yeah, he says, I did see the trailers before the movie that showed Jonah's garage and had that supercharged 30s Ford. He says he's looking forward to the movie and especially them going to Samoa. Our street rod muscle cars and the old 4x4 are awesome. Yeah. So he's definitely, like, that feels like in his wheelhouse, and so for my, sure. Dude, my dad's, like, way up this, he loves this, too. He's always like, I wanna, I'm gonna go get a nice rat rod. And I'm like, come on, Dad. Like, like what do you do? He also likes muscle cars, too. 70s muscle cars. So I'm like, of the two, dude, like, come on. Like, you have muscle cars. Like, why are you trying to chase these, these rat rods? But... Yeah, he loves them, so. Whatever takes. No no wrong choices. There's Whatever no wrong choices, like. dude. It's yeah. all cool. So it's just like, I don't understand. He just picks, like, random shit all the time, though. He, like, just changes his <laughs> mind randomly. That, that's why I'm, like, laughing about my dad in this. Yeah. yeah. Nick says, when I grew up, my parents had 20 acres and a quarter mile back in the woods, so had lots of fun. Some people don't grow up in a city, Joe, and we have, we have land. I know. I'm jealous. I mean, like, pros and cons to both, because I really enjoy it. I will never cut the grass, ever. Like, I will never cut the grass. Like, I've tried it once. My lawnmower now is at your house. I bought it from you, yeah. Yeah, because I was like, I will never cut the grass again. That was the first and only time I ever cut grass. There is a real sense of satisfaction. I know you. I know I've said this to you before, and you don't agree or you don't feel the same way, yeah. but there's a real sense of satisfaction to take an unkempt lawn and cut it and then just sort of admire it. But like you, have it's a kind nice, of a... you have a nice little patch. It's like, it's not that much. But even at my parents' house, when I when they have, you know, an acre and a half and I was doing either the, the, the ride mower or the push mower or whatever, you know, there's something really satisfying about going into like a big field and then just sort of going around one tractor side, tractor width at a time, yeah. clearing it all out. Like there's something really seeing... satisfying about like what was messy is now nice. You're seeing instant change. It's like yeah. instant gratification. Like you look behind yep. you and you're like, oh shit, it's done. Like I did yeah. that. Nick says they came out with an official Girl Scout cereal with Thin Mints and Caramel Delights what? or Samoise. It says not too bad, but it doesn't beat the cookies. 
Okay. It says, one last thing. There is no excuse for you not knowing Malibu. LOL, good fun. <laughs> Keep on, Nick. It was early. It was fucking early. You said it was the first thing we did when we woke up. We went out, we got breakfast, we ate breakfast out there, and then we came back and recorded. So you had like an hour to wake up. Dude, I drove you to I breakfast, not, drove you home. I am Less not, and less of an excuse. I'm not a functioning human until like 1130. Like the earliest I schedule meetings at work is 10, and that's pushing it. Like, I'm not even awake yet. And, like, people will come, and they'll be like, okay, I'll meet you tomorrow at 8. And I'm like, no fucking way I'm meeting at 8, because, like, I'm just useless. Like, I'm just a zombie until at least 11 o'clock. One other email from Nick. He said, just seen this on Facebook. Looks awesome. Want one? I put the picture in. It's a picture uh, of Vin holding up a shirt. 18 years of Fast and Furious. How do we get this? Probably just click a Facebook ad. I had just had a long discussion today about targeted Facebook ad t-shirts mm-hmm. and how much I want a bunch of them. But I want ones that are like, I'm a drywaller who has two daughters and loves the, the penguins. And, you know what I mean? Like, I want one of these, like, hyper-specific ones. Oh, yep. and Chris was talking about it. You probably saw it on Facebook today. But this one's actually really cool. It says down below, I don't know if you can read it, but it says, there's, like, people's signatures. So it's, like, Ludacris has his signature, and it says Tej. As the name, so it's got Luda, Paul Walker, see. Gal Gadot, Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese, Dwayne Johnson, Vin Diesel, and Jason Statham. So eight yeah, signatures on the front. That's uh, pretty cool. And there's all sorts of like the, the 18. It's got all different screenshots from the movies. Yeah. So you got Letty on the car in four, Dom and Brian on the car in five. You got a lot of different things here. It's just all, it's a, it's a super cool shirt. Do you think for the 25th anniversary of the first Fast and the Furious that we will get invited to the party? I hope so. I would hope so too. If anybody out there can get us connected toward Hollywood. In seven years. In that direction, please. It'll be right around the time of the of the party too. Yeah, it'll be the 25th anniversary of the first movie. will be the year before 1327. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be we'll be close. Two more emails, Joe. They were sent the same second from Wes. I think he probably what? drafted two up and sent them together. Oh, that's cool. So here we go. So first things first, we're going to do what? catch up from Wes. Okay. What up, fam? Says I wrote my last email before I knew you were shuffling up the schedule and doing a full Hobbs and Shaw episode Sorry, next. Wes. So I purposefully left out my thoughts on that, but it's cool because I forgot to take my own notes when I saw it. So it's good for me to have something to respond to. Just keep things simple. I'm going to send this real quick update with some general things, and I'll send a separate email just about Hobbs and Shaw, which is the second one. We'll do. We'll get to that next. So here are my okay. new episode cool. observations. Joe talking about changing his breaks and how Rachel could do it in theory reminds me of a decade-long debate Mrs. Wes and I have had, as well as several of our friends. It all started from some car commercial where there's an empty room, and they all, all these car parts fly in and build up a car really fast. Okay. Mrs. West looks at us and says, you know, I feel like if I had all the parts on the internet, I could build a car. Needless to say, I have my doubts. I should tell her I 100% believe she could understand how a car is built and how it works, but it's very different from the actual physical labor of building a car. It's okay. Over time, it's morphed into a running gag of her having a show called, quote, Emily Builds for pretty much anything, and I'm always like, oh, could you build that if you had the internet and all the parts and a production team and a bunch of expert guests to do the actual work? <laughs> I like relationship banter. It's, it's, it makes me really happy. So do you think you could build a car? If I had video, all the right tools instruction manuals i'm very confident i could build a car that could run i don't think there would be like the best version of that car ever to exist and i would definitely need hands because just physically there's like things that you can't do one person you know but mm-hmm. I, i'm confident i could build a car i don't think i could but also i that's not how my brain works like i i think i, I could understand it but i don't think i could actually physically 
build it. It's really surprisingly not as many pieces as you'd think. I would believe that. It's big. There's lots of bolts and stuff like that. But in reality, it's always like 10 of the same bolt. If you had a nice long space and you could set everything up and label everything and you knew what bolts and parts and whatever you needed were and you knew like what, how to t- like the tolerances to put them back in and what to look yeah. out for that was wrong, yeah. yes, I think so. But if I had like all of the parts lined up, some instructional guides, and all the right tools to do it, I'm confident I could do it. All right. Because at that point, it is Ikea, right? It's just like, it's going to take a long time. The physical strength part is the part that I was talking about, Rachel. Like, there's some things that I just don't think that she has the, like, the arm torque to do. She, she She would know how to do it, and she could, like, guide me through it and walk me through doing it, but I don't think she could, like, physically do it. Gotcha. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was saying. She could do it in theory, but like, I don't think she actually could. Uh, Mrs. West did not meet Lil Wayne at the Blink-182 show, but I told her beforehand if she did meet him to let him know that we listen to the Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack all the time, and his verse on Scared of the Dark is the dumbest verse on the album. <laughs> she refused. She also said he had a very weird set. I was kind of surprised he showed up at all, so I guess it was good that she was there at least. There's been rumors that he's like he's not enjoying this tour, and he like wants to get off of it. Obviously, Blink is going to be awesome, but he's kind of not the headliner of this tour, right? They're co-headliners, but I mean, really, everybody that's going to this tour is going to see Blink. They're not really going to see Lil Wayne. And I think that he thought that it was going to be more like 50-50. Like, my friends that went to go see the show in New York or New Jersey, I forget which one, really enjoyed it. And then afterwards, they were like, uh, like, Lil Wayne's, like, kind of trying to back out now. So I'm glad she did get to see him, but maybe... It's kind of this, like, cold feet type situation that's going on. Joey, I hate to say it, but Mrs. West lied to you. She wasn't tears streaming down her face, sobbing into a Kleenex, crying, but she did get a little choked up with the family stuff in Samoa. Don't let her fool you. She's a big old softy for that stuff. Me too. Honestly, me too. When he was, like, talking to his mom, and she was like, we'll show the, we'll give them the men of the islands, and we will sh- be hospitable to them. I was like, oh. Like, it just, yeah. I, it was just something yeah. about the moment. Like, when we were getting there, we were all together. We were watching Hobbs and Shaw together. I was, that first time, I was like, oh, t- yeah. a little taken aback. On the topic of Arizona licenses, yeah, they're wild. We've had several friends come visit us and had bouncers give them a hard time about it because the expiration date makes them seem fake as hell. Yeah. I don't think anyone was ever really actually turned away. And now that we're all in our 30s, so we don't look young enough to need a fake ID, but they still get some weird looks. According to the internet, licenses are technically valid until you're 65, but you have to get a new picture every 12 years. That's still... Since it's a newer law, we used to joke about using our old 16-year-old pictures at 60. So as they say, the long expiration date is to streamline the DMV, which is smart. It's genius, and cut yeah. down on wait times, but I guarantee it's because so much of the population is made up of snowbirds or older residents that they don't want to be bothered with renewing their licenses until they absolutely have to. Agreed. I'm sure if they could have pushed the age to 100, they would have. On a licensing note, I have a cool tidbit. In... Maryland, they just don't accept vertical licenses. Really? Yes. So that's the is that the underage license? Well, this is the thing. This is what I'm getting at. So Richie's live in Maryland. I live in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania won't issue you a horizontal license unless it's expired, right? So like like I got my license when I was 16. Okay, every four years. So mm-hmm. at 20, I had to renew my license. I got a vertical license that was good for four years. So it was going to be good until I was 24. I would go visit Rachel in Maryland and I would get denied drinks at bars because I didn't have a horizontal license. And I'd have to explain mm. to them, Pennsylvania won't give me a horizontal license. So eventually I go back to the, the Pennsylvania DMV. I tell them, hey, I'm going to need a horizontal license. 
because, you know, I've been going to Maryland, they won't let me drink, but I'm 21, whatever, whatever. And they're like, oh, sorry, we can't give you a horizontal license. If you would have lost it, we could have gotten you a horizontal license. But here it is right here. If we know you have a vertical license, we can't print you a new one because you didn't lose it. And I was like, all of you motherfuckers are driving me so crazy. I was like, if I walk outside and just chuck this license into the store, you'll print me a new one? She's like, yes. Because then you lost it. And I'm like, so just do that. And she was like, I can't because you, you're holding it. And I'm like, <sighs> I'll be back in two minutes. Yeah, I just stormed out of the DMV. I went to a different DMV. It was like, I lost my license, got a new one. Dumb, dumb, dumb. It was so dumb. The whole fucking thing was so dumb. Yeah. Your talk about shortbread cookies is on point. I don't really have a sweet tooth, but boy, do I love a good shortbread cookie. Mrs. West sugar cookies are delicious for sure, but the cookie itself... It's really more of a shortbread that serves as an icing delivery service, and although we rarely eat them at this point, we both prefer the cookies plain to a frosted cookie, especially if they're still warm. Yes. It's a little bit sweet, but not too much, and makes for a good snack. Yeah, that's what you just learn when you get older, man. The stuff that's just, like, almost sweet, but not, like, hyper sweet is so dangerous, because I can sit there and just eat them, like, eat them over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yep. Wes says, that's it for general stuff. I have a lot of thoughts on Hobbs and Shaw, so I'll do my best to keep it brief. We'll see how well that goes. Spoiler, failed miserably. <laughs> well, it's a new movie. We're all excited. I don't fault him. Next email, Hobbs Fast Shaw Furious. What up, fam? I've collected my thoughts on Hobbs and Shaw and responses to your comments here to make it easy for people to skip if they don't want spoilers or whatever. But honestly, if you haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw yet, what are you doing with your life? True. I think he probably also maybe wrote that before we announced last episode. So from here on out, spoilers. Yes. Every episode, if you've not seen Hobson Shaw yet, A, be okay with spoilers, or B, pause this, go watch it, and then come back. Um, and then let us know what you think, family. I'm sure it's going to be in me. theaters forever, so... Plus, you should probably have already seen it anyways. First off, I liked it a lot, but the main thought I had throughout the entire movie was, quote, this is not a Fast and Furious movie, which actually made me like it more. Whoa. I was low-key kind of nervous about it going in, just wondering how it was going to fit, but I think making a totally separate movie that's only connected to the main series where the characters was the best move. I would have liked just a tiny crossover cameo, which Same. you said, yeah, I but was. it's fine. Once I got that it's not a Fast and Furious movie, it was a lot easier to sit back and just enjoy it. And it's funny because it's the same logic that Adam used to say that he didn't like the movie, right? Right. It was like the exact same argument, but then he came to be like, I didn't like it as much because it wasn't a Fast and Furious movie and all the same things that Wes just said. Well, I think what's nice about it is that a lot of the, like, not that these movies have ever really set up a character in a way where you're like, okay, I, I get who they are. Like they always sort of thrown them into the action and you learn through them doing things. Yes. But I feel like there's a real shorthand here with Hobbs and Shaw that you know who these characters are, you know who Helen Mirren is, you kind of get a sense just from the archetypes of who Vanessa Kirby and who Idris Elba's characters are. Yeah. You're running before you can walk because you already know a lot of what's going on. I think it's just a way to get you immersed into the world, and I think it's cool. Yeah, I agree. I feel like we might be seeing Brixton again because of all the deaths in the franchise, including the ones that get reversed. His, quote, death is the least definite. Etienne shuts him down, he falls into the water, but he's basically a cyborg. All they need to do is flip that switch and boot him back up. I can see the stinger at the end of the sequel with a black screen, and then you start seeing his display light up with a boot-up sequence, followed by his eye opening, we get a POV shot of the ocean floor or something. Ooh. I just hope he doesn't turn good. I could maybe be okay with him going rogue as his own chaotic neutral character, but he's too far to the dark side at this point to be fully redeemed. Wes is imagining a, a Master Shredder's hand in the... You know, like, you just see the hand type situation. I was thinking the death and return of Superman in the 90s, or the late 80s, early 90s, whatever, when Superman is killed by Doomsday, and then the world mourns, and these four other Supermen rise up to take his place, 
and then we cut to the ocean floor, Superman in his black outfit, mm. in a purple mech of some kind, down there sort of regenerating, and then comes back up and, you know, returns to his rightful place as Superman. I like both of those, yeah. When you talk about checking out during the exposition scenes, it reminds me of something John Singleton talked about in the Too Fast, Too Furious commentary that I kind of laughed at the time, but I see all the time now. When you rewatch that movie, pay attention during the exposition scenes, especially at the police station. Roman's always doing something in the background and just generally being a distraction. John Singleton says he always puts that in because people tend to zone out in the exposition scenes, but you have to have them for the sake of the plot, even if they ultimately don't matter. Oh, so he puts them in, like, jittering to, like, keep you... You're like, what the fuck is he doing? But then you're listening? No, I think it's, like, in case you don't want to listen, you have something else to do for that, like, three minutes. Okay. Like, you would watch him being an idiot, as opposed to, like, hearing cops talk to Brian about, like, what's going on. Okay, okay. That makes sense. He always has something else going on to liven it up a little. Roman's good for that. There's a very similar scene in Fast and Furious 6 where he's trying to get money for the vending machine while Hobbs is explaining the nightshade device. Yes. Yep. While I do get it, I feel like it can be too much of a distraction and make it that much harder to focus. But again, the plot's only like the third or fourth most important thing in a movie like this. The plot's really not not that important, sadly. It's like action, and then it's character development, and then it's humor, and then probably Beauty. plot. Beauty yeah. is in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Then plot. You guys mentioned the three of them in Shaw's McLaren being a tight fit. All I could think about that whole time was an interview, or maybe an Instagram post, where The Rock talked about all the cool cars he drives on Ballers. Except he can't fit in any of them. Yeah. So if you watch the show, huge. they never show him actually getting into or out of any of them because he physically can't do it. <laughs> when they ran toward the McLaren in the movie, I was really hoping they were going to do a gag about how he couldn't fit that hold onto the roof or something. All uh. I know is there's no way the interior is actually the size of a real McLaren interior. No. Any of these cars are like, they're hard for me to get in, and I'm, like, spoiler, not a very big person. Like, I can't, I can't imagine you fitting inside, just, like, height-wise. You know what I mean? Like, you're just too tall for, like, a lot of these cars. Yeah, and The Rock is probably five inches taller than me yeah, and, and, you know, outweighs me by 50 or 100 pounds. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. And his nope, shoulders are, happen. like, you know, another 30 inches wider than yours, you know? Like, yep. There's no way he's getting in this car. Wes says, Ryan Reynolds only kind of landed for me. I think I'm at peak Ryan Reynolds saturation. I loved him on Two Guys and a Girl, with and without the pizza place. Okay. And kind of followed him a little bit after that, but in the last few years, he's been in too many things. And he's funny. He's always the same kind of funny where he's also kind of a dick. Yep. I like both Deadpool movies fine, but I've never been crazy about the meta humor of the character, so there's that too. I think he would have been a great cameo if they had used him a little less and not turned into the Ryan Reynolds show for 10 minutes or however long he was on screen. They gave him a little bit more screen time than I wanted, and having him in all of the, or most of the, you know, post credit scenes, I think that it would have been a little bit better with less of him. Not that I minded it, and I like Ryan Reynolds. I haven't seen him. I like. I don't have this vision or feeling that he's been in too much lately because, like, when I think of Ryan Reynolds, I think of Van Wilder, and I think of Deadpool. Like, I I've never seen him like on shows or like in romantic comedies or anything like that. So he's not he's not oversaturated for me yet. Like I said in the last episode, I didn't like Deadpool too. I like the first Deadpool. I think that he, he still works. But I think if I see him in more, uh, basically as himself, because I think that's why that's why he was cast basically as Deadpool. That's why he's here to play that type of role. And I can see that if you're if you're tired of that, yeah, it would this be, it'll be monotonous. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of things that went on too long, was it just me or their insult battles feel a little much? I like them verbally sparring while they're doing some actiony thing, but the cuts back and forth of them just taking turns yelling insults at each other kind of dragged on for me. Well, Wes... We also need to switch it up a little bit. The Rock can only discuss shoving someone into one of Shaw's various orifices so many times before it starts to wear thin. Boy, do we have a podcast for you, and it's coming up after this break. Kate has some words about this, too. Specifically, talks about their banter and how 
it was yeah. a little too long for her. And yeah, so. yeah. I think it's hard to compare these movies or any series to the MCU. I'm not an MCU super fan, but I think they occupy a unique space in film history. Really, no other franchise has come close to doing what they've done, and they're kind of their own genre now. There are certain beats each movie follows, but they're also not exactly a cohesive series in anything other than plot, because each entry is also a different subgenre, some more than others. Cabot is period piece war drama, then is Cold War spy thriller. Guardians, and now Thor, I guess, is a wacky ensemble sci-fi comedy. Spider-Man was a coming-of-age movie. Yep. Ant-Man's a lovable doofus in over his head comedy, etc. Yep. So story-wise, they all form a whole big thing, but tonally, each property is its own thing, which I feel is what part of what makes it work. The Fastiverse doesn't have that luxury yet, because they all follow the same main cast and would feel too disjointed to radically shift the tone between films. So think about Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, true. I can see this, yeah. To that point, I felt like Hobbs and Shaw was the first time I had the chance to do an MCU-style tone shift, and I think overall it worked well. I think, like Joe said, the stakes had to be high to get these characters back together, but the comedy and lightness of the movie really carried it because you know they're going to win. And now they have a solid sort of friendly rivalry that gives them license to get together without much effort, not to mention the Hobbs-Hattie connection. Plus, the serious parts were so over-the-top and sci-fi, didn't feel like the stakes we've seen in the main entries. Even Cypher's BS plot was somewhat grounded in reality. I just really hope F9 doesn't start pushing much farther into the sci-fi plot lines. And I also think, on the reciprocal of what we are talking about, with Hobbs and Shaw going sci-fi, they can kind of rein F9 back in, too. You know what I mean? Like... Like, they can top it in other ways and other things. If you have this one get zanier, you can get that one more real. You know what I mean? Like, we can kind of hit a fork here. Yeah. It's a good opportunity. We'll see what they do with it, obviously. It's a chance to do it. And I think what's exciting about this is that if they continue to follow the MCU-style whatever, I think you can sort of branch the female spinoff into more of a Ocean's Eleven sort of fun, maybe heist movie, if Mm -hmm. you want. Like, which we've sort of had here, but not quite... If you wanted to, I don't know that it would work. We sort of talked about this either this episode or another episode about like having Roman and Tej be like in a, a kind of a comedy, like a buddy cop kind of movie. Like yep. I feel like there's a lot of genres that aren't too far of a stretch based on what we've seen already in the characters that we've established that if you want to have your sci-fi genre, but you also want to have your comedy and your action and your whatever, Ensemble. you can sort of go in all these different... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can start going all these ways, yep. Joey, I think we talked about this, but in, in regards to Owen, I was expecting a cameo the whole time, and I don't know why we didn't get one. Same. They didn't write him out completely, because he's in some of the flashbacks to when they were kids, and I don't think he's dead. They would have made a bigger deal about it, which I think you were saying that you think that it's just poor writing that they wrote him off, he's dead... But I think I think he's I think there's got to be more. No, because I don't know. he says he says you made me kill my brother, and now it's the confusing part. Right. Well, this is what he says. Yeah. I think the line at the end was poorly written and unintentionally confusing. He says you made me kill my brother. Dot dot dot. You. I remember the first time thinking they must have thrown that you in there to make sure people understood he meant Brixton. I think they were supposed to have been much closer than Joe thinks. That's kind of Shaw's whole plot. He and Brixton were brothers, and Brixton betrayed him. So yeah. Shaw had to kill him, and it kind of broke him. Yeah, I, I can see. It, I, I really don't like the line or the We're editing. We're all in there. agreement. It's a terrible line, or maybe it's delivered poorly. I don't know what it is. The but editing, like, or you made me kill you, or like. I felt like I lost one of my family that day. Or, or just anything. like, you were a brother to me and you made me kill you. Just like, the, yeah. you could reword like the same sentiment, but just in a number of different ways. Or, if that's not how we're reading it, if, if the way that you're reading it is right, then like, why is that not mentioned literally anywhere else in the movie? You know what I mean? I don't so, know. 
I don't know. My thought from the very beginning was that Cypher was the voice of the director. I watched the movie the entire first time listening for Charlie Theron's voice, and I agree, you can hear some of Cypher's cadence and diction in it. But after watching it the second time with the Ryan Reynolds theory, I can also hear him. I think it's most likely a totally new character, and he was the melding of a bunch of voiceovers to get an amorphous sound. Mm. If it was someone we knew, the reveal would have been a much bigger impact and been a better cliffhanger at the end of this movie, especially if it was Ryan Reynolds. Now, maybe if it is Cypher, they don't want to tip their hand until F9, but I feel like they're trying to split the series off totally, which is what you're thinking, Joe. Yeah. And there might not be any more crossover, so it seems unlikely to me just from a movie-making perspective. And I just think, like, I agree with him that there would be, like, a bigger cliffhanger here. I just still don't see a world in which Hobbes is not in 10, and I think that this is a perfect way to sort of re-blend them together and then have them go their separate ways. And I just think that the way, like, Ryan Reynolds, like, his delivery, like, he says, he uses a lot of, like, contractions and very, like, casual, like, he just speaks quickly, and, like, the way he talks in the movie, I just don't, I don't hear that at all. And maybe when I, you know, when I see it again ahead of, the, ahead yeah. of when we record with Mike, I'll listen, I'll try to hear if I can hear him. Once I mentally decided it was Cypher, that's all I could hear. You know what's interesting that Wes brought up and that I want to touch on now? What if they did use voices from the past movies to make it sound like it was someone familiar and they were like unconsciously cueing us into it sounding like someone familiar maybe it is a little bit of ryan reynolds maybe it is a little bit of charlie's maybe it is a little bit of you know like a bunch of other characters to where like the voice would sound close to something that we would know and they are modulating them but on purpose you know like that was like the trick to it maybe i don't know that they thought about it that much honestly like i think if that was true i think that'd be really cool i just think that they just have like a weird kind of computery voice and they're just like oh we'll figure it out later i was trying to give them more creative credit i get it i I mean i I would love to i just think that like in my brain it's cypher if it's not i just I, i don't know like i feel like that could be another thing where like shaw like owen it's like do they do we give them credit for in the long run like we're saying with fate hopefully with fate it sort of becomes like, fate becomes better when we see later movies. Like, do we give yeah. them credit in four years when we see a couple more movies? Or is this just, we're going to look back and be like, oh, that was just bad writing. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it could go either way, and I don't know. We're not sure yet. We just have to wait it out. I'm a little disappointed that Hobbes didn't end up being gay, but this might actually make him a more interesting character. It's entirely possible that he's bi or even pansexual. There's extremely high standards. He's obviously physically attracted to Hattie, but how many beautiful women has Hobbes been around in the past he never gave a second look to? Think about all the soccer moms. Really, for him, it seems like her abilities, her intelligence, and her morality is what piques his interest. His daughter teases him, but doesn't show any real interest until he meets her and learns the truth about a situation and sees how she handles herself. So that's a new theory, maybe. Instead of gay, he's pan, and just he doesn't care about necessarily what they look like, but it's just like how they can... But also, in that regard, Elena would maybe also be fit the bill and Gina yeah. Carano might fit the bill. Like they're both like he chose them because of their competency. Obviously Gina Carano went bad, but so maybe it's a combination of like, he loves what they are on the inside, but it's also like if they have that, that exterior package, like the, the beauty, if they're the complete package, man or woman, maybe who knows? We just got to keep that door open. I'm glad everybody jumped on board with us. I also sent you the uh, screenshot of Austin Wolf Southern, who was on our furious oh, seven, God, I think. Yes. 
episode a couple laps ago, and he wrote a big long review on Letterboxd about how he was sad that Hobbs wasn't gay, and it was just like this very in-depth thing. Like, 90% of the review was about that. He's like, and then the movie was pretty good. The action was fun. <laughs> and like the whole review was about, he was disappointed that Hobbs isn't gay, but maybe there's maybe there's more to it or whatever. Did he so. get that from us, or did he separately have that? I wouldn't put it past him to just have it on his own, but I also feel like that yeah. is sort of our, even though it wasn't us, it was Mike, I feel like that's sort of been what we've been pitching hard for a while, and uh, I don't know. I hadn't heard anything about claiming the Italian job is now canon. That's hilarious. I might have mentioned before, but Mrs. Wes and I love a good heist, a good heist movie, and yeah. we both really like the Italian job. It's been at least 10 years since I've seen it, so no telling how it holds up. Spoiler, does not. I like it. I still like it. When was the last time you saw it? Not long ago. Like, it's, like, in the loop of, like, these heist movies, and, and Rachel had never seen it. Within the past year, I've seen it. Okay, so we'll, in, in two weeks, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll see. If we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. It was definitely one of the films that cemented Jason Statham in my mind as one of the favorite, my, my, uh, as one of my favorite action stars, and it's a perfect role for him. He gets to be a cool driver who also has some comedic moments, though I don't remember any hand-to-hand stuff, which is a shame. Wait, does that mean it's now canon that Shaw was supposed to meet up with his old crew to rip off a Brazilian drug lord, but Dom's crew got to it first? Is this another reason Shaw went after them in Furious 7? I think I just cracked this whole thing wide open. Hashtag justice for Han goes deeper than we thought. Wow. I need to revisit Italian Job in the scope of imagining it was Handsome Rob, and then we can make all the other conclusions. Maybe Wes did crack this thing all open. That's, I mean, that's what we're going to do. That's what we aim yeah. to do with the... The first pit stop. With all the pit stops, it's sort of like, yeah. in a very over-the-top way, figure out how they could blend into the world. I mean, this is now literally part of the world, but also, how does Shaw's character go from being Handsome Rob to being Shaw? How does Cypher's character, how does Charlize's character go from being whatever her name is, to being Cypher. Like, well, how can we, we get don't from know one if to the other? She, we don't know if but she... But in our world, she is. Like, that's... I think that's... I want to see if we can do it that way. Like, can okay. can we make it so that her character arc is canonical? Makes... Becomes Cypher. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. We can, I mean, we can do it. And I mean, like, we're going to do this, like, with, like, with everything. Like, if we do, like, a Vin Diesel lap sometime, and, like, we do, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, not that we're going to, but, like, how does Groot become Dom. I want to figure that no, out, No, how too. does Dom like, become Groot? Because that's either the way. future. Yeah. That's modern day. Yeah, it feels future to me. It feels like they have time travel and they come back, but that's just me just making shit up, but yeah. There you have it, my lengthy thoughts on Hobbs and Shaw. I had much more to talk about after seeing it, but I think this is plenty for now. We'll get more into it on the next Infinity episodes. Until next time, stay furious, Wes. Thank you, Wes, for writing in. And um, I saw the pictures of Mrs. Wes at the Blink-182 concert, and I was super jealous. I forgot very to mention cool. that earlier. Yeah, I saw her post the picture, and I thought it was very, very cool. So now, Joe, before we do the minute, we have to do what? the necklace watch, the chain gang. Ooh. So we have we decided, but we're going to not do, from now on, not do new lap observations. So it's because, it's, especially now that we're recording on separate nights sometimes, like recording with a guest one night, it sort of doesn't make sense to sort of hold back observations if we do one, if, if we do it differently or whatever. Yeah. So I think, especially as time goes on, and we have, in theory, less and less to say about the movies, we're just going to sort of say all of our new things on the actual episode itself. Fair. We're retiring new lap observations, but... Both this episode and next week, Joe, we have to do the necklace watch, the chain gang. Okay, go ahead. We start out with the necklace in Owen's hand. We don't know who put it there, but Decker takes it. Well, we know that Owen had it last time from Letty. Why was he holding it? Like, what nurse or what visitor or whoever put it in his hand? True, because it's not like he can walk. You're right. Very interesting point. Maybe it was, like, one of the only things he came into the hospital with. Who knows? So Decker takes it. We then, like, a little bit later in the movie see him... Toss the necklace into Han's car, which we saw at the end of six. Yes. We saw that scene already. 
Sean grabs it. Off screen, Sean grabs it. We then have Dom go to uh, Tokyo. He does the end of Tokyo Drift. Yep. Gets the picture of Giselle, as well as Dom's necklace, or as, as well as, like, you know, the necklace back. Yeah. So it's now in his possession as he brings Han's body home. Do you think he drove the body back? He probably Tokyo Drift across the ocean. <laughs> if you have enough NOS, can you just, like, fly across an ocean? Is that how Jesus walked on water? NOS? Fueled by NOS. He said sandals with NOS in them. Mm-hmm. I need more. I need two. You got a lead foot, kid. Right. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> so they're at the funeral, and Dom is wearing the necklace at the funeral. So this is, again, like, I, we had been talking about the first four or five episodes, four, four or five movies. The necklace, basically, we feel like it should be on their necks, but it's not ever an important item until a little bit in five, and then mostly six and seven, and then also a well, little bit in Well, six is when, it, like, you see it in the beginning of the movie, yep. too, you know? Yep. So he's got it on around his neck at the at the the funeral, and then so then when Letty shows up, when Hobbs brings him in, when they're like, we need to. This is right after No Knees Denise. This is when they're at that table. So Letty shows up. She sees the necklace to get a flashback. Like it, pro- it triggers in her a flashback. Like she's she's remembering who she was. He's necklacing her memory back into her. Basically, yeah. They are on the bridge. I believe they have. This is the tank scene. Oh, no, the tank scene's in six. This is this is when they're rescuing Ramsey, and Dom is driving. He's got the car, and he sort of you know wheelies the car or whatever the term is to get to get Ramsey into the car. But in that scene, he's very prominently wearing the necklace. Then they go off to Abu Dhabi. The necklace still around his neck. Yeah. At the end, when there's the the sort of as they're preparing kind of for the final showdown, I think between you know Dom and Shaw, and there's all that different stuff. Dom gives the necklace to Lenny. Okay. She says, why does it feel like I'm not going to see you again? He says, I'll come back for that. She says, promise? He says, promise. And we don't know at this point that we're going to find out in a couple scenes later that this was their wedding ring. So like this, I feel like this is now when she's sort of, the memories are coming back to her. They're, they're rushing back to her brain. But I still don't know how it winds up with, what's his, with, with Elena. Does he have it at the beginning of the next, at eight? I think so. No, he has it. He always has it. Because in eight, we see early on in the movie we see him working. Like, after he goes evil, we see him working. We see the cat, the, the necklace hanging. And then, when he visits Elena on the plane, he hangs it there for her. That's right. And that's the uh, GPS yes, track. That's right. Elena didn't have it the whole no. time. Okay. She, the, only thing, the only time she ever has it, the only time she ever touches it, is in five. Yes. And, yeah. So then we have the flashback to their wedding. The necklace is the ring. Will this do? And then we flash back to modern day. She's got the necklace wrapped around his hand. Um, she's saying, if you die, I die. That scene that, you know, makes us all cry. But what's the weird thing is that at the very end, so basically we know that this this necklace is Letty's wedding ring, right? We know that it has yeah. significance to both of them, but it's basically her wedding ring, right? Yep. But then at the end, when they have the, you know, you thought you could leave without saying goodbye, the, the see you again scene, Dom's wearing the necklace again. It's like, well, that dude, what are you doing? Like, this is... It's her necklace. It's not, though. It's It was always his necklace. He gave it to her as the symbol of their relationship, and they're sharing it, much like a relationship is, right? It's like if you had a thing that you were like, hey, Rachel, this is a symbol of our relationship, but I, I need it back. I, he doesn't really take it back. He just, like, because of how ingrained each person wearing a ring is in your head, that you can't imagine that we have one totem. Maybe there's two necklaces. Wouldn't that be something? Maybe he cut some of the links off and made a bracelet for her, and you just don't even see it. Maybe there's a best friends necklaces like they have in Hobbs and Shaw and they exactly. just made two necklaces out of the one necklace. Yeah, true. You could melt it down. Maybe he melts it down and makes the chain thinner and then pours her one from that too. It's like the Valerian, st- you didn't get this part in, Valerian, in, in Game of Thrones, but they sort of, they break down one sword into two. Yeah, same, I mean, same, same idea, same concept. Exactly. Just as important. Valerian yeah. steel or this necklace. Yep. So Joe, let's talk about the Fast and Furious a minute. 140 miles per hour this morning. Amateurs don't use nitrous oxide. 
I've seen the way you drive. You got a heavy foot. You'll blow yourself to pieces. I need one of these. One of the big ones. But actually, you know, let's make it two. And Ari, I need it by tonight. Tell me what's the secret I'm missing, then I'ma come and get it. I'ma be in the middle where I'm in. So all my thugs, if you see like I'm in. Do we have a name for this minute? I see how you drive, kid, is what I would have named it. I, or I know how you drive, kid, whatever Harry says. I've seen the way you drive. You got a heavy, you'll blow yourself to pieces. I, I like any of those three lines. Like, you got a heavy foot, you'll blow yourself to pieces, or I've seen the way you drive. Or what about I need it by tonight? Waiting for tonight? Oh. Uh, sure. When you'll be here in my arms? You like, you went full Jennifer Lopez, that was just okay? The name of the minute is Waiting for Tonight by Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> okay. So in this minute, as you heard, Brian tells Harry the parts he needs. He needs them tonight. Because yep. he's Waiting for Tonight by Jennifer Lopez. And then Brian shows up at the first street race, and then basically as he backs into the spot, the minute ends. It's pretty, condi- like, it's it's weird. It's a, There's only two lines. We've gotten minutes that are, like, really heavy and dense, and we've gotten ones that I thought were going to be dense, and then I start watching it, and I'm like, there's not much here, actually, you know? Last episode, when we did the last minute, you were yes. saying you know exactly where it's going to be, and you were right. Like, the next, the scene they go to is the race. Yes, exactly. But I was also thinking that we were going to have, which we kind of do for like half this, I felt like there was going to be like a buffer. Like we weren't going to just immediately be at the race. Like I think like this is the buffer minute to get sort of like him talking to Harry at the shop. Like I thought there might be like a full minute of them just talking to the shop, but it's probably about 25, 30 seconds. And then we have them. It's him chasing him to the NOS uh, cake display, essentially. Yeah. But you're right. So I thought we might have like a full minute in the shop, but we have just about half that. And then we get to the race. And then that's when we have the two songs there's Shauna saying Say Ah and Limp Biscuit classic Roland. Both of those songs are so good. Like, I forgot that we actually have Roland in this movie. I love Limp Biscuit so much when I was a kid. So did I. I think the Limp Biscuit have, I think they were maybe a song on one of the loading screens of NHL hits. Ooh. If, it, if they had a song there, it was Roland. I know there's a Power Man 5000 Drop the Bombshell as one of the loading screens. Oh, but Power yeah. Man 5000 is a band I haven't thought about in fucking years well now you have you're welcome yes thank you i'm gonna go listen to some power man 5000 soon so here's a little notable moments of trivia that i noticed that i don't know one of them might not even be real and one just sort of objective and probably false but okay we get another time passing montage like at the, the beginning of minute four this was after they they robbed the truck and we have brian doing the 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 driving the donuts and just sort of testing Outside capping out 140 stadium. yeah we have the time pass that goes from night to day here it goes from day to night and that's when say ah kicks in I think we might get Hector at the end here, or otherwise it's we just do. sort of... We see him, like, right at the... You just, right by you, Brian's car. Yeah, you see him. Okay. Like, he gets out of a car, and that's when we get Hector. Harry's voice, I noticed, wasn't this way in the last... I think this might be, like, a weird acting choice, but Harry's voice in this minute sounds really similar to Teddy's voice on Bob's Burgers. His voice sounds familiar. I thought, I'm like, is, could this be the same guy? And No, it's not, but similar. No, I didn't catch that, but that's that's interesting. Again, that might be objectively false. I don't know. You know what I mean? But like subjectively to my ears, 
it sounds similar. It's kind of this like not lispy, but like sort of wet intonation. Like he's just sort of like got like a lot of water in his mouth. And I think yeah. it's like a, fu- a kind of a funny character trait for the way that the voice actor says or does Teddy's voice. Yeah. But here, Harry's just like, why? Dude, God. I think maybe it's just like he's built up. He's animated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So there's uh, some customers in the store with some clothing we need to talk about. I was going to do like a character by character breakdown of like what everybody's wearing. I'm like this A nobody really cares, but B, there's so yourself. many people here it's gonna take me hours. Yeah. So instead I just did a count. There are two wife beater tees, one bandana, one bald head, and then surprisingly, zero shots objectifying men and zero shots objectifying <laughs> women. Well, we're not there yet. We're so close. We're really close. But I was just I was thinking, because like, every time in the new movies that we cut to a race scene, it's like, close on asses, slow-mo butts. dancing, right? It's so much butts. Here, we don't have that yet. So I was just no. sort of, it was a pleasant surprise. But Joe, the, the star of this minute are the cars. So why don't you hit us with the car details? Um, I didn't get too many of them because they're all like with wacky body kits. But I do have a cool thing that I had never noticed before is that we see, watching this part over and over again, I had never caught it. There's a full Mazda in Harry's shop. Where is it in relation to where they are? It's right behind Brian. There's a, there's a giant red Mazda inside the shop. There was a guy behind him that was looking at something. I guess he's probably, I think he is looking at the car. I think there's like a full car in inside the shop and it says Mazda on it. It's a red Mazda. I can't tell if it's an RX-7 or a Miata because all of these fucking cars have these like wacky body kits on them. But it's a convertible two-seater Mazda. Highly likely it's an RX-7 or a Miata. I just can't tell which one it is. And I, I can't get a good angle on it to figure out like if it's a weird body kit or what car it actually is. I, I looked at both, looked at both examples of both, and I, I can't decide. Big old car, and it's sort of on an angle, too. Like, it's kind of almost yeah. on an angle, the same angle that the car is sort of dangling outside, too, so. Yeah, kind of. So that's one car, and then what was the other one you, you made a note of? The only car that I could definitively make out in him pulling up in the seconds that we get of this shot is a silver Honda Civic, which is a little bit of foreshadowing. We see one Honda yep. Civic, but also there's Honda Civics throughout this entire movie. Mm-hmm. All the other cars, either like you get a shot of their hood or just the grill, and they also have like weird body kits on them, so I'm not definitive about anything, so I don't want to say anything wrong. Hopefully we get better shots of the cars from different angles, which I think we will. The cars, when he pulls up, aren't even referenced on Car Movie Database, because I figured, like, oh, okay, I'll go to Car Movie Database, and you know I can kind of deduce which ones they are from the pictures and stuff like that. Nobody's even touched this part of it. That's interesting, too, to me, right? And yeah. actually, the mo- the the Mazda in Harry's shop wasn't on Car Movie Database either, which I think is very interesting. I mean, I'm sure somebody else has noticed it besides us. Nobody's mentioned it on Car Movie Database yet, so. Interesting, okay. Signs and stuff in Harry's to go with the car. Lowenhart wheels. They're all over, like, the top shelf above the Mazda. Lowenhart wheels doesn't have a website, so they might be out of business. I couldn't find any information on it besides that. There's another sign that looks like it says C, the letter C, Bass Engines. Couldn't get anything else from that. The NOS bottle display, like the cake display, the spinning one, I noticed this time that there's like a pressure gauge on the top of it, like the NOS pressure gauge. Like it's like the crown of the the spinny guy. And I was like, oh, that's interesting placement. Oh, and one of the coolest things I noticed in Harry's shop this time was there's a giant spring, like a suspension spring. Okay. Comically large. And it looks like it would be like a good like bar stool. Like it, it seemed like something like what you'd have like a novelty bar stool, right? And it's also right in front of the counter. And it's like this red, like it's it's human sized. It sits like right at counter height, but there's no top to it. So you couldn't really sit on it. 
what the fuck is going on here? Like, if you just put the bar stool top on it, this would be, like, a really cool bar stool. But instead, they just have this giant, like, clown spring in front of the cash register in the way, but also not doing anything. It's weird. Well, maybe it's just, like, in Mad Max Fury Road where the uh, engine boys or whatever they're, I don't know, whatever, like, Nux, like, all of those characters have to bring their own steering wheel. Maybe when you go to Harry's, you have to bring your own seat plop it on the spring, and then, then you can sit down. <laughs> or you bring your steering wheel in, and if you put the steering wheel on it, then it becomes a seat. Mm. The last coolest thing that I found is that the shot, Brian leaves Harry's, you get the shot of him pulling up to the buildings. That is Alameda Square. Found a really cool discoverlosangeles.com, places from Fast and the Furious. That's where I found this, because I was trying to look up what the building was. And I was searching by, it it looked like it said Southern Pacific, which was the railroad. I was looking up Southern Pacific building, Fast and Furious, whatever, whatever. And I found Alameda Square. They say, in the franchise's first installment, Brian challenges Dom to a race at a street rally that's held in the parking lot of downtown LA's Alameda Square, located on the edge of the Arts District. A large parking structure is currently being built in that lot but the warehouses that are visible in the background of the scenes remain unchanged. The street race itself takes place a good distance away from the parking lot. We'll get to that next one. But I also found... Did you click the link? Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it right now. So I put a street view into the document, and if you click the street view, I have it like perfectly looking at... Yeah. Right? It's very distinct. Uh, the two you... buildings that you see the, the sunset to, to sort of yeah, because it has, like, for the race. The distinct like water tower on top of it, you know? I yeah, think that's very what cool. that is. Very, very cool. There you go. If you want to find it, that's how you find it. If you want access to the document all, we're now up to nineteen pages in Google Docs. So this is eleven minutes, nineteen pages. We do almost two pages of notes per minute. If you want to kick us a couple of bucks on Patreon, all levels, even a dollar a month on Patreon, gets you access to this doc. All of the details you never wanted to know about the Fast and Furious, all the dialogue, all the cars, all the labels, all the trivia, Signs, all the clothing, everything. everything you want to know or don't, the Fast and Furious Minute document only on patreon.com slash too fast too forever. Joe, let us take a break. Let us bring in Kate Hudson to talk about Furious 7. I hope the conversation's good. Fingers <laughs> crossed. We'll be right back. Double four. 44. This episode is brought to you by Double Alpha Academy. Their goal and their passion is the development and innovation of new advanced shooting accessories for the competition pistol shooter. This is what they have been doing for the past eight or nine years with ever-growing ambition and with, they're proud to say, much success. Well, thank you, Double Alpha. That is, yes. you know, it's, it's a difficult time to be a gun manufacturer in this country, but... It's for, no, this is for competition pistol okay. shooter. This okay. is like, okay. this isn't, it wasn't a gun thing. This was for Double Alpha Academy. Gotcha. Obviously, you you get a higher learning institution. Yes, they teach you how to be a responsible gun person. Mm, Very. They're just double alphas. I I was just double alphas. You know what they are? They're a Dom and a Brian together. Or just one Roman. With us tonight, that voice you just heard. We introduced her in the intro segment. A writer over at Pajiba. If you are a hardcore Cage Club Podcast Network listener, you have heard her on our Keanu Club episode. 
of Always Be My Maybe, and a couple of episodes of High School Slumber Party hosted by Brian Rodriguez, who's been on the show a handful of times. We have with us tonight Kate Hudson. Hello, Kate. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here to talk about Furious 7. Yes. So here's here's a little bit of a, a peek behind the curtain of the madness. So Joe and I, this entire lap of movies, have been tracking the necklace from start to finish. Because we're like, how does it get from point A to point Z? Theme of the lap. It's the Sisterhood of the Traveling Necklace. And I was so chain. concerned with following the necklace that I completely forgot that this is the one where like, I was about to cry at the end. I was like, yeah. I was like, wedding, I, I know it's going to be the wedding ring, and then we're going to get that scene, and I'm like, oh wait, how's this movie end? Oh right, Brian. And I was like, Oh boy, like, so I, I think I can be still be surprised by these movies if I dedicate my entire mental focus to something else altogether. Uh, so th- <laughs> I learned funny. that about myself tonight. <laughs> That's funny you said that because when I was watching it this time, this was the first time that I felt confident that I know the story of Seven now because it was like one that I hadn't seen, you know, as much as the other ones. This watch of Seven, I was like, okay, I confidently know exactly what they're doing, when, why, how. <laughs> Yep, and it was like the first time I got it because usually it's too long and like my ADD kicks in and I like and I like look up and I'm like oh fuck yeah like I, I get what they're doing right but at the same time like I don't actually know what they're doing. <laughs> this is the first. This is the first viewing of it that I feel confident that like I have this story just like placed. Like the plot is is solid in my head now. It only took uh, four laps and probably eight viewings for you. We finally got down this main mainstream box office <laughs> blockbuster smash <laughs> Furious Seven. All right, Kate. Before we talk about this movie specifically, we've got a bunch of questions to ask you to sort of gauge where you live, where, where your headspace is. I'm ready. So here, here's a tricky question. So we're recording this the week after Hobbs and Shaw came out. It's gonna, we're going to release it in a couple of weeks. So we're very close to the release. How many of these nine movies now have you seen? That is, I got to be honest, a dumb question. The right question is how many of the nine movies have I seen multiple times? Better question. Perfect. I've lost count. I, so I have all eight uh, on DVD. Cool. And I've Ooh, definitely seen yeah. them all multiple times, okay. as well as I did see Hobbs and Shaw opening day. Wonderful. Ooh, so you are same. a woman after our own heart, so that's very important to us. Family. Which of them did you see in theaters? Did you see this one in theaters? You know, I didn't. I, I, I'm a wimp, and I need okay. spoilers, and I, I wanted to experience Brian's send-off by myself. Oh, okay. That's, that's fair. fair. I get right? it. I saw the first one. So I was working in a movie theater in 2001, and I saw oh. the first one in the theater at least, like, three times. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's OG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the theater like? Was it a big theater, a small theater? Good question. It is the nicest theater, or was the nicest theater in 2001 in Anchorage, Alaska, the Century 16. Whoa. Shout out to uh, our Alaskan friend up there. Oh, yes. Ben Milliman. We have we have one dedicated, very dedicated listener. He and his girlfriend write in from time to time, supports us on Patreon. He's in Alaska. So I forgot I forgot your Alaska connection. That's very exciting. Oh, yeah. Maybe cool. Ben and I saw the same showing back in the day if he's from there. <laughs> maybe. You never yes. know. Hey, Ben, what's up? Yeah, maybe you sold him his ticket. Wouldn't that be a small I could have. I, I yeah. absolutely could have. If he saw that movie in 2001 at Anchorage Century 16, I definitely ripped his ticket. Wow. Wow. Oh. Ben, write in. Let us know. And that's not a euphemism either. No. <laughs> <laughs> So now, Kate, after you see one in theaters three times, where do the rest of the franchise, like, how, how do you get to, like, did you see two in theaters? Did you, th- did you did. see three in theaters? So I saw two in theaters with my boyfriend at the time at the mm-hmm. second movie theater, and I had nachos. I still remember that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, I love oh, these Oh, also, hungry. hold on, hold on. a little hungry. Still, I get it. still talking about Ben, our Alaskan friend Ben loves nachos. That's true. Okay. Yeah, jeez. 
Ben, deep cut. I had the Beartooth nachos in 2003, so I'm sure, oh, yeah, oh, I'm sure you're going to know what I'm talking about. But then I went into a black hole, and then I stopped seeing them in the theaters because life got in the way, unfortunately. Okay. And now I'm back. I'm back to seeing them first run in the theaters. Nothing can hold me back. Thankfully, much like real family, you can leave them alone for years at a time and come back to them, and they just accept you like you were. 100%. So. So three through eight, you did not see in theaters, but you saw on DVD. And on planes. They used to be my go-to plane movie. I saw Fast Five on a plane, Transatlantic. Oh, that's a good plane movie. Right? they're on a plane, yeah. When I flew to Europe last year, I think they had five, seven, and eight on the plane, so I watched those, but they did not have six, because six is about them bringing down a plane. I think that was sort of the, no, no, let's not do that. (laughs) Or maybe it was, were you on British Airways, and I just didn't want to have Owen Shaw just be the bad guy? Oh. Deckard's on his redemption arc, which I hope we talk about, because I find it bullshit. We we can. We will get to that. We definitely get to that. (laughs) I do think that this is a very fascinating movie to watch and to talk about now that Hobbs and Shaw exists. Exactly. This is... Unintentionally perfect timing to watch this movie because, like, everything about this movie doesn't necessarily have more meaning, but it has more weight knowing mm-hmm. where they're going to wind up and having seen Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, for sure. Although, I don't think they knew where they were going to wind up on this movie until after Paul Walker died. Yeah. Joe, do you want to share with we Kate agree. your theory about how they go from movie to movie? I have a theory that they pretty much just like afterwards take the audience's reaction and then just give us whatever we want in the next one so like if we bitch about letty dying they're like cool she's not dead if we're like we like han they're like han's alive again too you know if you're like oh we really liked the like this plane thing they're like cool we're doing the plane thing again <laughs> like essentially is like how that i think that they make these movies so because i think hobbs and shaw was actually a perfect culmination of this and like gave us like everything that i wanted in a hobbs and shaw movie to the point where at points i thought they were listening to us telling them what we wanted from the movie and just were like answering it in different ways like maybe they didn't give us what we wanted but they like would answer our questions the only thing i would add to that i think you're absolutely spot on i think that there was an added component of where did paul walker want to go on vacation next Mm. yeah that's true i think that he and probably vin diesel specifically yeah yeah, are like sort of the adam sandler with a little bit more credibility right like adam sandler has been criticized for oh, I want to take my family to Africa, let me make Blended, and let me bring Drew Barrymore, whoever was in that movie, with him down to Africa and make a movie so that my family can get a free trip to Africa. That's probably possibly true of Vin, but, you know, who knows? That's a next-level baller. No, but he said that, remember? Because he said, like, when he wanted to go to Cuba, he said, like, he picked Cuba when they reopened Cuba because he wanted to go to (laughs) Cuba. Yeah. So... It makes sense. I get it. So now, Kate, we have a more difficult question than have you seen the movies. And okay. if you if, if you want to sort of eyeball it, what is your ranking? Can you rank these oh, nine? Totally. You, Joe and I have not talked yet about where we're going to rank Hobbs and Shaw, so I don't want to put you in the spot there. At least the first eight, or if you, you want to do, do Hobbs and Shaw, by all means, go for it. Dudes, okay, so first off, a little bit of insider knowledge. There's been um, a slack thread on Pajiva of like the five of us who are obsessed with this franchise have been talking about it nonstop for a week and we've all ranked it. Can you give me a vague general like high, low, like where's it at? No, I don't want to know, Joe, because all those people I'm assuming we're going to have on the podcast because we sort of inserted ourselves That's what I'm saying, just give me a like a top half, bottom half. Top half, right? The top one, they're, we're kind of split evenly on like what's the best one. I believe it to be Fast 7, actually. Wow. Yeah, just give us your okay. ranking. Yeah. 
I want to know where did Hobbs and Shaw fall in, and when Dude. you guys were talking about it, just like top half, bottom half, bottom was half, was it some split? Whoa. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. We all thought it was the worst. Like, yeah, the worst. Really? Yeah, I hated it. Interesting take. I hated okay. it. Well, yeah, we can get into it. I just thought it was like eating like a McDonald's like Happy Meal. It was sort of satisfying at the time, but you walk away feeling like vaguely like ugh. So we have your one. We have your nine. Okay, that is that is fascinating. Okay, but number five, Fast Five is honestly like super t- like. Five and seven are my favorites, hands down, okay. for sure. Okay, yeah. The one I like to give props to that everybody else always puts towards the bottom is Too Fast, Too Furious. Okay. Because I think that that really set the tone for everything to come. They got the humor, you got Roman, you got Tej. Like, that was the blueprint that everything else built off of. Because that tone of, you know, the original one, it's just, it's different. Like, you watch... It's dirty. Right? And, like, they're just, like street punks who like race and like steal things but i think because vin diesel left they were able to eject humor and i really credit that to john singleton and paul walker in particular cool i have right now five and seven tied at number one and then number three would be too fast so what's your number four let's go with six okay then it goes four okay then it goes two three one Hobbs and Shaw. So we have eight. So we have one, three, and eight. Oh, I forgot about eight. Eight's towards the bottom. So I think eight is second to last. So between the original and Hobbs and Shaw, it didn't, it didn't do as much for me because I like it when they're the underdogs, like the scrappy street racers, like trying to save each other as opposed to fighting some random Charlize Theron who never touches the ground in her block ops, whatever plane. (laughs) Okay. Very fair. So just to confirm, we have five and seven, too fast, too furious. Then Fast and Furious 6, then Fast and Furious number 4, then Tokyo Drift, then the original, then Fate of the Furious, then Hobbs and Shaw. I would put Too Fast, Too Furious between Tokyo Drift and number 4. So it's not number 3 for me or, or number gotcha. 4. Gotcha. Okay, okay. Down that cool. list. Okay. Yeah. But it's still good. I just like to give it props because I feel like it's undeservedly put towards the bottom. But like you said, it gives the hungry line and it really sets yeah. the tone for everything else to come. So I'm a cool. fan. I'm very curious. I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried because I think Joe and I both really liked Hobbs and Shaw. And if we can, if you want to talk about that yeah. a little bit now, we can. But I'm, I'm very fascinated now where Hobbs and Shaw is going to fall on these rankings because it's, it, it did not start off in a good place here. It's an average of nine. It, I was talking it up. I was really hype about it. You know, we saw it together. We we really enjoyed it. Um, I told my buddy Adam to go see it. He came out of the movie, texted me. He was like, yeah, man, not for me. And I was like, whoa, really? And then we saw, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes reviews come out. And it's like, you know, the highest rated Fast and the Furious to come out. Well, so now it's down to like a 67 on Rotten Tomatoes or something. Like it is falling. really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's tanked. I don't think it's a Fast and Furious movie, but I love it, if that makes sense. It's not serious, and I think that that's the complaint that people have, that it's not, like, familial and serious. But at the same time, I don't think that they sold it as that, so I wasn't disappointed. Like, I did, I wasn't geared up to be like, oh, we're going to get, you know, Han's Redemption or something like that. It was like, it was going to be a silly The Rock movie with Jason Statham, so that's what I expected going in. My expectations were met. So now, Kate, what's 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 interesting to me about you, and I sort of want to see if this is a, a split that you feel, or if this is something you see in Pajiba or not, but I feel like, based on who was written in, people really seem to love the first three, or sort of the rest of the series. Like, they either love the car elements of it, or when it became an action movie. And I feel like Hobbs and Shaw could sort of serve as, like, not a better movie than five or six. Like five or six is sort of like the peak action of the franchise, I think. But Hobbs and Shaw could be even more of a delineation. Like it's not about the cars at all. Like there's kind of cool car stuff in there. 
it's sort of like what people didn't like about, say, 4 through 8, but amplified. So, like, are there people in your circle, in your world, or do you see that divide between the early movies, the tuner culture, and then the action movies that this, this franchise would become? You know, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Not really. Sort of general consensus I've heard and I feel about Hobbs and Shaw is that it was way too matchy-matchy, and now knowing the insider baseball about how they literally, like, keep track of how many punches these guys throw so that nobody ever gets their ass kicked. It always comes out like totally like the same. What I love about Jason Statham and what I loved about him and Sean, you know, Fast 7 is that he's the straight guy. Like he doesn't have a sense of humor. He's just hell bent on whatever the hell he's doing. And then in Hobbs yeah. and Shaw, he's trying to get those like quips in and it, it doesn't work. You can't like they wanted to be Tango and Cash, but they both are trying to be Kurt Russell, and you have to have that straight guy to play off of, off of. Mm. Or else it's just like constant like barbs and digs and like broing out. And it's like, listen, there's a time and place for that. If they had less ego about what they were doing and who they were playing, like you know Keanu Reeves and John Wick, who lets himself get his ass kicked, you know, ultimately saves the day. It would be different. But my problem was really it just felt so sanitized, and it didn't feel like it had any spark of like a real action movie and I didn't like it till I got to Samoa and then I like that the Samoa scene and that truck scene Mm -hmm. (laughs) like redeemed it and I'm not like a gearhead it was just there was no joy I didn't feel the fun or the spark or like that they were having a good time it was just like here was the formula we're gonna do it because I took it as, as super fun for me. Like, I thought that it was actually, like, one of the most fun ones that they made because, like, it was just goofy. But I do get the unbalance of not having someone there playing the straight man and having them both be funny. Yeah, I could see it. Now, Kate, I could see a... as, as sort of a follow-up to that in terms of, you know, the, the not having a straight man or just playing it too goofy, like, one of the criticisms that I have of the franchise as it goes on, and I've talked about this basically in every episode, is that as the franchise goes on... I think Roman becomes less of a character and more of a caricature. And I'm kind of curious if you think that's the same thing. Like, if by by the time 8 rolls around, if you're not really on board with him, on a similar sort of related note, but unrelated to, I guess, the funniness of it, like, I think we've sort of reached a point now, we talked about this, I think, last episode or two episodes ago, Joe, that none of the characters can really die. Like, it feels like they kind of have to, but, like, they're all too big and too entrenched in the franchise to really kill them off. And I wonder if some of that is like a little bit toothless. In some similar, I think, to your criticisms of, of Hobbs and Shaw, Kate, think they can get into trouble, but things are always going to go their way. Like I'm not one of those people looking for realism in my Fast and Furious movies. I kind of hate how like now in modern franchises, oh, anyone could die at any time. I want to watch like a plucky band of family come together pull off a heist or pull off a revenge and then, you know, live to fight another day. I don't necessarily want that, but I do like in Fast 7 how they sort of retcons Han's death to fit into the story. I thought that that was actually pretty brave considering, you know, Han was already dead. Let's make it about this. I I do see how it could be toothless, but I don't know if that's the franchise that we're we're watching. Sure, yeah, no, I agree. James Bond never dies. And I kind of see this is where the Fast and Furious is going, which is, I like it. There's something nice about going in and knowing, like, okay, they're all going to make it out alive. Now let's see them parachute cars off a plane into a mountain. Everything doesn't need to be Game of Thrones anymore. I agree, I agree. with you. Like, once, like, we had this thing where, like, anybody can die at any time, it's like, okay, well, that's cool. But, like, but in the reciprocal of that for Fast and Furious, 
we always talk about that they've like extended the family a little too much and they need to rein it back. So I think that that's another reason why I like Hobbs and Shaw because like I know like Hobbs and Shaw now are removed from the family. Like they're not like they didn't kill them off, but they also removed them and they won't be in the other ones to like take up screen time because like we've really stretched these out you know now we're hitting seven where they're like two hour 15 two hour 20 minute movies we can't really give everyone screen time if there's 20 main characters in these so like i'm glad they like removed two this way i guess my problem with hobbs and shaw specifically is that they both are pretty good supporting characters but the moment you get all of that concentrated like personality just like together and you build it up to be the leading character it just it doesn't work for me like brian and dom don't really have personalities like they have character traits but it's not like a you know what i mean it's not like a movie about roman and that would probably be the same sort of grading he's great as salt to a dish but i don't know if you want to eat a dinner straight salt yeah true or do you (laughs) depends on how hungry you are so So now, Kate, I've got a bunch of questions for you that are sort of about the franchise as a whole. These are kind of either or, no wrong answer. It's just about who you are as a person. Okay. Would you say you are more, and you just mentioned these two characters, they don't, really have, tra- they don't have characters, they just have traits. You're more of a Brian or a Dom? Honestly, I'm more of a Roman. That's why I know. Well, we're like, going to get, that's another question coming we'll up later. There. Okay. These two. Don't try to cheat us here now. Between okay. Brian and Dom, who, who, do you think, who do you think you're more more like? I am probably more Dom because I'm not as flexible as Brian. Okay. Okay. Are you more of a Mia or a Letty? Probably Letty, but she could still kick my ass. Okay. So like a mini Letty. (laughs) Now, I think you just gave this answer before, but are you more of a Roman or a Tej? Oh, for sure, Roman. Our newest question, are you more of a Hobbes or a Shaw? Interesting. Probably a Shaw. Okay. Ooh. I like that. Yeah, that's brooding. I like it. Do, (laughs) Do you prefer American muscle? Or imports. Oh, I'm a bad American. I prefer imports. Thank you. Finally, Joe is wild. I'm, like, I'm alone on this here. island yeah. by myself. <laughs> Everybody's like American Muscle every time, and I'm like, dude, come on! But like the whole series is imports. Like that's the. I actually dated a guy who whose claim to fame was that he brought drifting to America. Really? Was that like his like Instagram bio, or was that real? St- <laughs> he showed me magazines. Like he's old enough that he could have done it. He's like, how old is that oh. dude now? He's like 43 now. He broke up with me on text, so he sucks, but... Sick! <laughs> yeah. He's like, I need more time to work on my race car and run errands. That's a very Sean move, isn't it? <laughs> right? And I, I wish I had... I really wish I had said, well, if you were better at racing, you would have more time to work on your errands, but I didn't. It kind of blindsided me. But oh, there it God. is, four years later. In hindsight, later. it was good. Yeah, I love right? it. <laughs> hope he hears this. If you're listening, write in and give your second response, family at cageclub.me. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right, Kate, do you prefer Coronas or Belgian Ales? Corona, come on. Good, yeah. cool. You know, there's no wrong answers, but I feel like for this podcast, for this show, it's a little bit of a better answer. Are you more, oh, yeah. do you consider yourself more of a racer or a designer? If we're pulling a job, are you out of the streets or are you back in HQ helping us? Oh, back in HQ for sure. Okay. You don't want me down in the streets. <laughs> it wouldn't be pretty. <laughs> are you just a bad driver? Is that what you're implying? I, I mean, I'm not a great driver i'm not a bad driver i'm just a stressed out person who when i'm stressed i get super intense and it makes everybody else around me miserable so you'd rather i'm just not there (laughs) i understand okay i get it now kate the three of us we just robbed a bank we stole a safe we won 30 million dollars we each have 10 million dollars we go to monaco we go to dubai we go some rich city great high rolling casino you have 10 million dollars are you putting it all on black 
were you putting it all on red? Oh, uh, come on. Wesley Sipes taught me, always bet on black. <laughs> you are not the first person who said that exact thing. It's <laughs> crazy. On this podcast. Was, and it was, like, recent, too. Who yep. said it? I don't was it, it was, um... When it Kyle? It was Kyle. Yes. It's exactly who it was. Passenger 57. Yes. Oh, That's also... We, we, or maybe it was Larson, because also Passenger 57, there is a very... So the VHS copy, we talked about this on the Larson episode of Fast and Furious 4 this lap, but the VHS okay. copy of Passenger 57 included a trailer for Street Night before the movie. And so whenever ah, we would go yes. over to Larson's house, we would watch the VHS, yes. watch that trailer, not the movie, because the movie's fine, it's good, but the trailer is incredible. So <laughs> that, that movie has a special place in my heart, not only for this question now, apparently, but also for Street Night. The trailer Street Night, okay. yeah. All right, Kate, this is a question that's sort of about this movie in a way. You're going to be safe either way, but are you more likely, would you rather jump a car into a plane or out of a plane. Out of a plane would be more fun. Okay. More fun. Yeah. Neither of them sound fun to me. That sounds like a terrible idea. I mean, if you're guaranteed to be okay, like I think it'd be I think it'd be fun. No. And it would last longer. Like, last longer? I want it to be over with. Oh god. <laughs> so t- I don't fuck with heights. I'm getting too old for this shit. Like <laughs> Like no. You're truly the Danny Glover of this podcast. Right? No, I was yeah. talk. <laughs> I was watching the um the scene with like the Roman getting sucked out of the plane, right? And I was just like, oh god. And that was the other thing I thought. Like when I like when I saw them doing it this time, I was like, God, this took so long. Like you're in the air for like three minutes. Like holy fuck, <laughs> into the plane for sure for me. But okay. sorry, it took a little diversion. That one, Joe, <laughs> is the first one. Well, actually, no. Kate's answers tonight for both the Roman and Tej question and that question brought both of those to a dead heat. Like they're both even. Nice. So you are really truly balancing the scales. You Good. have, yeah. you have a lot of it. power. <laughs> okay. Unrelated to these movies, but also kind of related to the world. Is the word oil one syllable or two? <laughs> oil. I guess one. Thank you. You're wildly the minority there, again. But, uh, you know, I but think it's me. two. On the same team. We're on the same team. I like it. Except for the plane. You guys are in sync on everything except for jumping a car out of a plane. She's a little bit more adventurous than I am, but that's fine. I mean, why not? You only get to live once. You might as well die in a car Ooh. parachuting into the caucus. Was it the Caucasus Mountain Range? Why not? Yeah. All right, Kate. Speaking of dying, okay. would you rather die <laughs> in a, that was a fiery explosion thing. or icy water? Ooh, good question. Um, it depends on the context leading up to it. Think about the end of Fate of the Furious, right? When they're in their submarine and Roman almost drowns. He gets saved by the door. He sort of comes like skiing out on the door. And then later they have to do the cars surrounding Dom to protect him from the fire. So it's either you're going to drown in the icy waters of Russia or... Lake Minnetonka. Yeah. Or <laughs> engulfed in flames from an explosion. Here's a fun fact, being an Alaskan, is that when you hit water that cold, you actually don't drown. You die of shock. And Ooh. it's basically instantaneous. My mom is actually an epidemiologist who worked with the CDC to oh. do that research. Probably the water could be a quick way to go, but the fire might be a, like a funner way leading up to it. <laughs> yeah, right. Like at least like you go I, out in a blaze of glory. So I don't know. I'm you know what? I'm gonna go with blaze of glory. Why the hell not? It's a All badass right. way to go. A literal blaze of glory, fiery explosion. Cool. No context. This is from the next movie, but no context here. Revenge of the Nerds or The Dark Knight. Interesting. Revenge of the Nerds. Yes, and we all know that it has problems with it, and it doesn't. <laughs> I just, I'm not, I'm not a big Christopher Nolan fan, like at all. I know, I just dropped, I just threw a grenade into the whole thing. I've been having this debate with uh, Tobin Addington, who was on our podcast a couple laps ago. He also has the contenders on this network. He 
pretty much only likes Dunkirk of all of his movies. So I've been having this debate with him for 12 years now. I'm not a shock to my system. I am girded against this. Just like Shaw's car in this, I have a reinforced chassis. I was ready for that answer. (laughs) All right, Kate, we're out on a job. Joe and I need to steal a car from this back room. We're like, do your thing. Your thing is you go in the front of the room, you sing a karaoke song to distract Just like this movie. Just like Roma does. Shine bright like a star, like only you can do. What song are you singing? Like a virgin, Madonna. Done. Cool. Yeah, good choice. We get everybody comes with fucking heat to this question. Mm -hmm. And it's like no stutters, nothing. (laughs) Everybody just is like, they know their song, they nail it, and it's always good songs. Perfect. And we haven't. I, I haven't gotten a bad answer, like an answer that like I even had to like pretend to like yet. All oh, fire answer. I'm also waiting for the first song that we get that I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I feel like we're gonna get there at some point, but they're all big songs right now. It's like Queen. We got a lot of Queen. Yep. Missy Elliott, Gloria Gaynor, Missy Elliott. Yeah, all kinds of good stuff. Just don't ask an 18 year old, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Ooh. True. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Little Peep. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like who's that? <laughs> All right, Kate, last question. Do you have a favorite character? I think we I think we kind of gathered who it might be, but do you have a favorite character in these movies? Oh, that's a good question. It depends on the movie, to be honest. I think that's fair, but if you have to pick one for the franchise as a whole. I do love Roman. I really do. That's what I thought it was going to be. Yep. He's one of the best. Yeah, he's one of my favorites, too. Only as a supporting character. Like I said, I wouldn't want to watch a whole movie with him. Yeah. Fair. So I guess you're also now Team Tyrese in that, you know, I don't know if you saw it today, but as we're recording this, I, oh, I did. T- today or yesterday, he came out and basically shit on Hobbs and Shaw having the, the worst Fast and Furious opening well, since the, Tokyo Drift. This has been a long going, this has been a long going thing, though, because he bitched the rock out last year and said, like, you're taking money out of, like, you're taking food out of my daughter's mouth. And the rock's like, dude, I didn't make the spinoff. Like, I don't know what the fuck you want from me. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm surprisingly Team Rock, actually. Ooh. Good. Okay. So what is your logic? Is it the same that like I was just saying? I like Vin Diesel, but I also think he's probably really a diva. I don't like how he walked away from the franchise to go make Triple X to go be an action star. My sort of like take on the franchise is this. I think Paul Walker was truly the guiding force of it. I think he's the guy who probably set the tone Mm. on the set and made it like a pleasant place to work and made, Mm -hmm. you know, all the creative decisions. And you can sort of see it in Brian in this movie. Like he doesn't mind getting beat up. Like it's pretty clear he wanted to do the bare minimum, drive fast cars and have a good time that's why he only has one real fight scene once walker left the series unfortunately um Mm -hmm. i I think it became diesel's to run and i think diesel is probably a little bit more of a diva and i think that the rock didn't respond to that and i think they probably bought into the whole alpha bullshit and frankly tyrese knows what side of uh the bread is buttered and he's gonna stick with that franchise until like he can't anymore also he got like taken really hard by his like ex-wife or baby mom oh yeah he's like really broke so oh yeah he's definitely he's trying to get paychecks which i don't disrespect at all i think the rock he strikes me as someone who's professional and friends of friends actually worked for him and they love him oh cool yeah like they think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread so i my gut seems really genuine yeah and everything every story i hear about the rock just like you said every story down the line you hear about the rock like everybody just talks great things about him great things working with him he's just a nice this guy and he seems genuine in interviews to me so yeah i can agree with you i side with the rock no one really knows what it's like to work with vin diesel and that's kind of telling right oh good point people say it I think it's at the proofs of the movie, guys. Like, Diesel, if he gets a punch, he gives a punch. Versus Paul Walker, let him, let him get beat up. Happy to drive that car. Or just actually be the passenger in the car when they went across across the three skyscrapers. Yeah. 
so yeah, that's that's my take on the whole situation. And you see, it's telling then if you if you play by through this logic, everybody's kind of down on eight, right? Like generally, yeah. like that's what everybody says. And at that point, Vin Diesel would have like full creative control. Mm-hmm. And then so, yeah, and it became less about the cars and more about being an action hero, but without taking a punch. Yeah. So my I have this whole thing. This is slightly off track, but I feel like they need another like every guy laid back movie star to go be an anchor against uh, Vin Diesel, which is who um. John Cena is going to be. I hope so. So I actually think Chris Pine would be perfect for it. Yeah, he would be. Rachel Rachel would be super stoked if it was Chris Pine. She but would. like, you need like another movie star who has enough clout to help set the tone and who's just there to have a good time. And I think that we could get back to what the franchise was if we if we had that. I think John Cena could do it, although I saw today that he might play a villain, so hopefully not. Well, do you think, I yeah. mean, we just saw him in Hobbs and Shaw. Do you think that Ryan Reynolds could have fit that bill? Ugh, no. He, I... Ugh. No. <laughs> He's too silly. Ooh. He's too try-hard. Paul Walker, God bless him, wasn't a great actor. He was just truly there to have a good time, right? So you need someone else who's just there to have a nice time and not promote their own brand, you know? Mm, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Well, sort of the last question I think about the, the franchise as a whole. Are you worried about Fast 9? No. Oh, God, this franchise is going to outlive us all. Are you worried about Hobbs and Shaw 2? No, I hope, I hope they take the feedback and make it better. For sure. Okay. Fair. I think that they'll do that no matter what. Like, I think that they'll pick, they pick the pieces that, that work. People come back and they're like, we love Kevin Hart. We'll get a lot of Kevin Hart in the next one. People come back, they're like, Ryan Reynolds sold it too hard. Yeah. They'll tone him down or pull him out of it. Like, that. that's how I just feel like these play. Because, like, every time one comes out, any of the response, they just, like, deal with what the audience is saying to them. It's It almost feels to me like they just have, like, a team that just sits outside of theaters and they just have, like, a scoring card. And they just, like, collect all of these at the end. And they're like, well, this is our next movie. Here we go. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that and hopefully they can somebody can be more of a straight man i don't know i don't like the shaw redemption arc it doesn't i liked shaw when he was a villain so much more yeah hopefully it plays out but that's another point of contention with michelle rodriguez saying that chris morgan doesn't know what the fuck he's talking oh, about. oh i agree with her 100 percent rewatching well, so this here's, movie here's here's the troubling thing and i think we probably will have talked about this either in the opening to this episode which were spoiler have not recorded yet or yeah. in the last week's episode which spoiler we have not recorded yet but chris morgan instead of writing fast nine wrote hobson shaw they hired a guy who wrote this movie called kin which came out last year which was one of the worst movies i saw last year <laughs> That's the only oh, movie that he wrote before this. Oh, I God. suddenly today got very nervous about Fast Nine. <laughs> okay, I, but how how much how important is the script in a Fast and Furious? I movie? think it's probably pretty it's important. It's hard. It's a lot more. Yeah, I think it's a lot more important than we give it credit. For. Like I think that if you care, I mean, if you love the franchise, like I don't know that you know Joe and I do not have a history of writing scripts. I think that we could probably like I don't know if that we could come up with like, we could probably do like a story, but I feel like Joe and I, I would, just based on our passion, could sort of make the characters feel genuine but i don't know that like you know if there's just a fan of that if that's enough like i feel like you sort of have to know especially with only two movies left in the main franchise where you're going and sort of how to kind of de-escalate the series but also escalate the action you know what i mean like if, if they're, in, yeah. they're, in a, they're in a delicate balance right now because this is an important movie yeah but those movies are always written by committee anyways just because True. one guy's getting the True. credit there's like 12 people who have been on those movies forever, plus the actors, plus producers, that it doesn't concern me as much because it's not like this is a Martin Scorsese movie. And I'm I, and not to say okay. that I actually like the Fast movies better than Scorsese movies, but it's not the work of one auteur. It's the work of a committee. 
and it always has That's been. That's fair. Yep. So I'm not True. too concerned because how much can he bone it up before somebody else steps in? And and I also think that at this point they have so much personal control over their yeah. characters that if they try to do something weird, like even Roman can be like, my character wouldn't do that, fuck that, and just yep. like not do it. So. Yeah, 100%. 100%. All right, so Kate, this is, as we said earlier, the walk down memory chain lap. I said that we are tracking the chain, Joe, and I went over that in the intro segment. But to kick off the conversation, when you think of Furious 7, and I would not be surprised if the answer was the same for all three of us, when you think of Furious 7, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Is it a scene, a moment, a song. character, a line, a song? Like what, when people are like, oh, let's watch Furious 7, what's the first thing that comes to your head? Oh, it's the end. Mm-hmm. Like the drive, the last ride with Paul Walker. Oh, yeah. I don't know how it's not. I mean, that's that's right? mine too. I think it's it's the one where Paul goes. It's the sea. The again. one where Paul dies. Yep. yep. He that's doesn't die. First thing he though. doesn't die. Brian gets a nice send-off, damn it. I know, I know. But in my heart, I would be like, this is the one where Paul Walker died in real life. Yep. Yeah. So you that's could, my first yeah. thought. Second thought, though, is the, the car through the three skyscrapers in Dubai. It's my favorite scene. Yeah, it's a good second. That's a good second part. I, I love remember that, part. that. I think we've even talked about it on here where it was, that was like the crowning jewel of the trailer that they showed during the Super Bowl yes. commercials. That yes. it was like, I don't know, like that was still, you know, I think I had seen five and six by, the, I, mean, I probably saw all of them and I was excited for it, but I wasn't like obviously as invested as I am now, but I was like, oh boy, like, yeah, this is, this is going to be good. And then, you know, when you see it in theaters, it's like, oh, right, I already saw this. I never have that reaction. That is like, I love that scene. Really? <laughs> I love it. It's so dumb. It's the, it's the best of what Fast and Furious has to offer. I like that they double down on it. They're like, we're going through one building. Like, no, we're going through two buildings. And you're like, yeah, because, I mean, one wasn't believable enough. So, like, two is where we had to go. I think they went through three and then until the car finally. Yeah, they did two jumps. Three buildings, two jumps. Yeah, okay, yep. so, th- yeah, three buildings, two jumps. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. Oh, it's like chef's gifts. Perfection. I love it. <laughs> You're made for this show. You really are. Also, I don't know... <laughs> You're hitting all the no- Like, you just sound like you've been on, on forever because you just keep <laughs> saying things that we say over and over again. Kate, my it's ask great. of you is I want you to bring back to the Bajiba offices. I want to make this spread because uh, there's another show on our network now and again that's hosted by Chris Podcast. He's been on this show. He did the chef's kiss. Like, I think we sort of caught it from him. I think Joe and I caught it from Chris because he would do it all the time. Just mwah. We coined it Il Boce, Italian for the kiss because it's like he's always an Italian <laughs> chef. So I want you... Whenever you talk about that, just like call it Il Boce and just see if that catches on. Because I feel like... We also, we also like to do the kiss and just say ragazzi too. <laughs> something. Just totally like, unrelated. Ragazzi. You don't need to know what that's about. It works. But yes. It but feels, feels right. Il Boce. Just because you are a writer, you're a disseminator of thoughts and opinions on the internet. Make Pajiba the home. I will let you have credit for this. Call it Il Boce. Full creative the license. Kiss. I will try my best. I will I will absolutely try my best. <laughs> all that we ask. All right, so now, Kate, without too much pressure, the floor is yours. What do you want to talk about? What is your favorite scene in here, your favorite parts, things that you want to you know, mention, specifically about this movie, but also as the franchise as a things whole? Things you want to ask us you know, about, whatever. things you want to talk about. You know, I would really like to touch on Deckard Shaw and his total 180 at the end of the movie that to me felt super tacked on so here's my here's my theory i'm not sure if i've already shared it is okay. that he was okay. brought on for a one-off bad guy like that's who he was and okay. all this Absolutely. Sh- like all this shit about him like turning out to be a good guy i think that when paul walker died they had to make a lot more changes to the story and script than they let on if you watch this you can see like it's clear mr nobody was supposed to die it's clear deckard shaw 
died. Oh, Mr. Nobody's supposed to die? Why? Where? When? When? We get shot. Yeah, he gets shot. And then the next scene is them driving in the desert. And it's so clear to me that that is Paul Walker's double. I think that they created this whole sort of black ops government side story to basically give us a, a jumping off point for where they go next outside of, you know, protecting Brian's family. I, I think Brian's kid, the baby, was probably supposed to be the one kidnapped in Fate, Fast 8. But Ooh, interesting. Okay, that's a good take. I think they had like to this. retool this completely. I think Deckard Shaw was supposed to die. I think after he filmed his scenes, they came back to Jason Statham and was like, okay, shit, we lost our guy. We're going to need to have star power to make up for the loss of Paul Walker. Will you come back? And I think Stason th- said no, unless you make me a good guy. Mm. And I think that scene at the end with him and The Rock, that was filmed much later. And I think that that was to set up Hobbs and Shaw. I think they came up with the idea for Hobbs and Shaw during that. We've talked about, I think, but I don't know that we ever necessarily talked about how long of a break it was, but I read it recently. I don't remember if it's six months or 18 months or like a year, but like they took a very long pause after Paul died to resume filming on this. And I think part of that's out of respect, but it's also probably like exactly what you're saying, Kate. It's like, what do we do? Maybe they already had a plan for 8, 9, 10. Maybe they had a plan for the rest of the movie. They have to rejigger everything. And yeah, that's all. That's all fascinating. Yeah, it's a really interesting take. We haven't talked about this before. I really like your perspective on this. Well, and if you look at that scene where Mia and Paul are, uh, Mia and Brian are talking, where he's like, remember when I took that sandwich? He never mentions that she's pregnant. I think that they had to have her change her end of the conversation to sort of set up this tone. I'm not even sure that he knew that she was pregnant. I think that they used that conversation to basically be able to retire him at the end. I don't think he was ever, I mean, obviously Brian was ever going to retire, but you can kind of see if you watch Seven with that sort of critical eye, like, okay, where does the story not quite add up? Where does the scene not totally jive? And you can see, like, this was what they had. This is how they basically zombified it. That phone call is very weird. And it feels right? like it jumps in and out. Like, it feels like it's edited very shakily. And I agree with you there. And I've noticed that before. And, like, it feels like they ADR'd a bunch in or they changed the lines or something was going on. So, yeah, I'm with you. I would love for Michelle Rodriguez to get really pissed off with everybody and basically just share what that movie was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, she's more. She's the most likely to do it, too, I think. Yeah, oh, for You're sure. Right. She's about to be like, you know, fuck this noise and just tell the truth. We're going to get a tell-all eventually. Yeah, as much as I don't want these movies to end, I think we're going to have a lot of people, like, especially toward the end, because we all know that there's the the brewing Vin versus The Rock fights, and also now apparently Michelle Rodriguez against Chris Morgan, and now Tyrese against The Rock. Like, there's all this drama now, and I feel like maybe once a character dies or once... Feels like a real family. Yeah. They're actually fighting. But it also feels like it's a family on the verge of divorce, when they're like, we, you know, we got... <laughs> yeah. it's, it's essentially like, we got two more years so the kids are married, two more movies, let's ride it out, and then after that, we're done. <laughs> oh, I don't think anybody will ever walk away from this. I think the Rock is probably done with regular Fast and Furious movies for a while. Because Vin banned him, yeah. I think he's got to come back for 10. I think they've got to re, you know, realign them. He's going to come in, yeah, just for a minute. He's going to be in it. Yeah, he's going to be in it just a, just a touch. But no one's going to walk away from this. The money's too good. And, like, what other franchise do any of these people have? There's obviously the, the Hobbs and Shaw path. And then there's the main franchise path where it goes 9-10. And then there might be the female spinoff path. And then I think there can be side stories. But, like, I can sort of see a world in which if the main franchise ends at 10, 
that say half or two thirds of these characters aren't really the stars or the co-stars of any more movies, like Roman and Tej You're and right. Ramsey and all those. Like, I think you could have Letty do her own thing. I think they'll try it. I think they'll try. Oh it. yeah. You think a Tyrese-led movie could make a could make like a billion dollars? I don't know that it could. No, they're 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 gonna pull a Grease too. They're gonna get a younger cast and have some of the older cast in a supporting role for sure. That's fair. Yeah. Timothy Chalamet, he's going to be the new Brian, I you call it. You keep saying that. Oh, God. That. Oh, no. God. <laughs> <laughs> he's too fancy looking. He's not like, he's not like ruggedly pretty boy. He's just like porcelain doll pretty boy. It's like Aaron Paul. But Aaron Paul's already. He's not born yet. He's already into the Need for Speed world. So I don't know if you can do that, you know? Well, they'll just add it to canon like fucking Italian job. I and guess just so. include Need <laughs> for Speed in the Fast and the Furious. Do you know who this franchise really needs, but he would never do it because he has his own thing going? Keanu. So there was a rumor. I don't yes. know if you saw this. There's a rumor that he was going to oh, be in Hobbs yeah. and Shaw. That rumor is founded by people wishful thinking. It was ah. the same week as there was a rumor about Kevin Hart. And then when Kevin Hart showed up in the movie, I was like, oh. Because we saw one thing on one shady website once <laughs> about Kevin Hart. And then we even talked about it in here. Like, oh, it's probably just the fact that he and The Rock are, you know, our buddies. Our buddies. Yeah. Like, he was on set for a day. And someone saw him there. It was like, oh, he's in the movie. And so when the same site reported that Keanu was going to be in it, and I was like, well, the second one, we're like, oh, I don't think either of these are true, because like, there's so much going on. But then when Kevin Hart popped up in the movie, I was like, oh, maybe. I, I, obviously, you know this, I love Keanu, but I, we just need somebody who's a low-energy lead that lets the ridiculousness of the story in the movie shine that's just there to have a good time. If he was still around, like a Patrick Swayze would have been great. Oh, God, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Swayze would have been good. Keanu. Swayze would have had to be Mr. Nobody, though. Like, come full circle from Point Break. No, I think right? Swayze, and like... this is maybe spoilers for the new Spider-Man-ish, but I think he could have played the same kind of character that Jake Gyllenhaal played, like a Mysterio, where it's like he's a good guy with like a uh... with more to it. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. That makes sense. I don't know. We just don't have any good action stars anymore. No, well, we do. They're just all already in the franchise. Like, there's... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> One thing that I noticed about this movie, and I met, this is what I messaged Joe about earlier. So when they fly to the Middle East, right? Yes. And they're going to get uh, God's Eye back. They yes. charter a cargo plane to go there. And I was like, these are all multi-multi-millionaires. And apparently, transporting their cars is a bigger priority than comfort. Like, they could have chartered a beautiful <laughs> private plane, but instead they just chartered this, like, massive government cargo plane. Letty is sleeping on a jacket on the ground. Did they charter the plane, or is that what Mr. Nobody gave them? And two, we have to factor in the man hours they put into getting the cars ready. <laughs> But they don't you know need. I mean? But like, they don't need the you, cars. You just, they don't need the cars in the Middle East. Like they just needed to get to the place. Like they're not doing chase scenes over there. Like if we're gonna show up to the Middle East, I'm gonna fucking flex if I'm like super rich. What I would have loved to have seen is the cargo plane, and then right behind it or above it or something, it's Roman bitches, and like it's just him. Like he's like, fuck that. <laughs> I'm not on that plane. I got a plane. I'm on my plane. And he's like with a bunch of like strippers on his plane exactly. or something. Yeah, that would make sense. I'd be down I was just for like, that. I, I can't believe. That they convinced Roman yeah. to get on the cargo plane. Yeah, that's a good point. I guarantee I you there is like a two day long fight over this behind the scenes. And this is what they <laughs> like landed on. 
I think I think I think it's it, it, at the core of it. It's Mister Nobody gave them a cargo plane because I think that that's kind of like his style and how he rolls, and they're like yeah. under his wing for this. I'm with you. So I don't think that they chartered it themselves. I think this was like here we have a plane ready for you, and they're like, oh fuck, it's a cargo plane. Okay, cool. But you don't whatever. think that the CIA or whoever like Black Ops or whatever doesn't have also a nice way to get the cars over there in one way but also get them over there so that Letty doesn't need to sleep on the fucking ground. That's logistically hard. And you don't want to call attention to yourself with a big chartered, like, 737 for six people. Like, nobody... Mm. Like, think about it. You're going to the Middle East and you're bringing cars. Nobody is going to, like question that at all you're just like just transporting exotic cars to the middle east yeah some prince bought them right like nobody was gonna look twice at the cargo manifest exactly yep. that was just one thing that i noticed this time i was just like i i don't know like it doesn't compute to me because i was just like because they're <laughs> they're all so rich now especially considering tej can like hack atms like i feel like none of them are ever going to be want for money right like they're all just after the bank job after the brazilian job they're set I just didn't see, I didn't see it happening. But Don makes that big deal about how he's still street. So maybe that ties into it. Like, I haven't changed. The money hasn't changed me. I'm going to go however I go type of thing. I Honestly, I feel like they just forgot that Roman had a jet and just put him on that set piece. <laughs> I don't think Roman had a jet. I think he was renting a jet in true Roman fashion. But, but he had, it's, it's set on the tail. Jet. It's Roman bitches. Yeah, I think. He just got like some fucking vinyl stickers mm. and just threw them up there. You can label whatever you want. Like, that's not a you big deal. You don't think if Roman, the Roman we know, has 11 million dollars he already spends a lot of it on that one car where he thinks is the only one in the hemisphere you don't think he bought a private jet or is leasing a private jet i think he spent all of his money so bad that he had to rent exactly. the jet. i know i think he bought the jet and then had to sell the jet because he spent all his mm, money on women yeah yes. roman does not have 11 million dollars anymore for sure no he, he has like two dollars <laughs> yeah. like t- art imitating life sad but <laughs> that's why he's that's why he's trying to steal fucking crackers from the vending machine in six he already the money's already gone like he's already broke yeah i think tej kept the money i think brian kept the money i think dom spent some of the money but still has enough but there's no way in hell roman has the money what else kate what else about this movie do you want to talk about what else uh i mean it sounds like you have a support system for the fast and furious in your everyday in your in your day-to-day job oh yeah what else do you want to talk about? What else about this movie that you want to uh, bring up? Let's talk about the dated cameos, because I really enjoyed how, like, 2013 they were in this. Sure. Like Ronda Rousey? <laughs> oh, with Iggy Azalea, too. Mm-hmm. We always forget which one Iggy Azalea is in and which one Rita Ora is in, because they kind of look the same in these movies. Oh, yeah. They both, like, have the pasty makeup oh, on. Oh, no. I will never forget. I mean, because I have never found Iggy Azalea attractive and Rita Ora is beautiful. No, but they but they play the same yes. character yeah. in both of them, so I mix them up. So maybe not you, but I mix well, them up. Well, and Ronda Rousey and Gina Carano play the same character, too. <laughs> yeah, Joe I, we says just refer to them lovingly yeah. as fake Ronda Rousey and real Ronda Rousey. So that's, <laughs> that's just what they're known as to me. But I keep trying to convince Joe. I'm just like, watch Haywire. Watch Haywire, exactly, which we're going to get we to did. for Magic Mike's. I'm like, she will never be fake Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey will be fake Gina Carano after yeah. the wire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she is. Dude, dude, go watch it tonight. It's amazing. Yep. Well, Channing's in it. There. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's right. Very briefly. I saw that on a plane, too. I used to be on planes a lot. While we've been talking, I came up with a short list, just to go back for a second, of actors I would like to see added to this franchise. Ooh, okay. Hit me. And I think Interesting. most of them are sort of low-key that I think could possibly fit what you're looking for, Kate. So let's see here. Okay. First two off okay. the bat, just because we have podcasts about them, Ryan Gosling and Channing Tatum. I think Channing Tatum specifically <gasps> would 
to be kind of that roll off him, right? It just seems to be there for a good time, like a puppy dog. Oh, I see Channing Tatum a lot more than Ryan Gosling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also think that now that you brought that up, that Channing Tatum could have just been John Cena. John Cena is just an old version of Channing Tatum. Although I do think, based on Channing Tatum's Instagram post from today... I, He's shook. I think that his divorce from Jenna Dewan really messed him up, and I think Gosling... Retire, basically retired from acting, at least for now, to spend time with, yeah. his, with Ava Mendez and his kids. It seems like Channing Tatum just is sort of retired from acting because, like, he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life now. Like, it just seems like everything yeah. he knew is now pulled out from under him. Yeah, <laughs> just spend time with Everly and sell vodka and, you know, leave creepy comments on Jesse J's Instagram. Honestly, I think the Fast and Furious could be good, like, therapy for him. So sure. I I think he could do it. I think he would add something more than Gosling because Gosling was brought up today in our Pajiba chat. And I was like, mm, I don't see it. But Channing, yes, 100%. Oh, somebody brought up putting Gosling in Fast and the Furious in your work chat? Oh, God, yeah. Because I kept saying, oh, Chris Pine, awesome. Chris Pine. Like, this is, you guys don't understand. Every single day we have a separate Slack thread where the like four or five of us just hundreds of messages each day about this franchise Love for it. the past week. <laughs> Love it. Another one I think could fit, and I think he's exactly at sort of the right level of fame where they could get him is Daniel Kaluuya, the start, the lead of Get Out. I think he could fit in this world. Ooh, I really Ooh. like that dude. I think similarly, move. maybe he's too big by now. I think Michael B. Jordan could fit in this world. Oh, hell I would yeah. Love, I would love Michael B. Jordan hell yeah. in this. You know, you know that. He could be an, yeah, he could be another Brian. You just need that every man. That's yep. all we need. Michael B. Jordan has the same prettiness as, as Paul Walker does to me, man. Yeah. So I think that he could fill that role real nicely. And he can make yeah, his... that's a good yeah, call. He can make his mom happy and stop dying in his movies all the time, too. <laughs> oh, and my final one, I don't know that it necessarily fits. I just love him so much and I want him to be in these movies because Timothy I want Chalamet. everybody in there. <laughs> no. Not Timothy Chalamet. Robert Downey Jr. Mm. Yeah. But I think he would need to be a small He's old. Role. He's too old for it. I think we need to do like a, a Mr. Nobody type role. Yeah. he's He has to play is play on the edge now. But I don't think we need Mr. Nobody. I think Mr. Nobody takes away from the core idea that these are underdogs who are always up against the wall and find a way out. Yeah. Oh, because he's like a like a like a overseeing power. Yeah. Well, it's also just it stops being a gang of outsiders, and now they're like sort of supporting the military industrial complex, which is like the antithesis of what the like our initial movies were. Yeah. True. They didn't have resources, and they like figured out a way. I like that. The MacGyveriness. Yeah. I don't. I don't need them to have like all these this like cool shit to deal with like let Hobbs take that side of the franchise and I think that the next story really needs to be like tight and small well Cypher's coming back so I don't think it's getting any smaller sorry yeah it's I I hope that they sort of realize the error of their ways after they get through this like cycle and then really tell a tighter smaller story I want them to rein it back a little bit too because you have to get ready for 10 and if you if you want to like shoot your shot at 10 you're gonna have to pull nine back a little bit exactly to give us that that breathing we need a breath in here somewhere yeah well i think i think the franchise works best when it's a a genre movie fast five was a heist movie right fast four was a revenge Mm -hmm. movie fast seven like was just so ridiculous i loved it so it's sort of like the outlier but it's also a revenge movie that with a really convoluted complicated plot i still don't understand how shaw and uh Dijamon and Hensu's character work together, if they work together. Oh yeah, no. No right? idea. As I was watching it today, I said that this movie is definitely a setup for eight. All the other guys that aren't Shaw, both Shaw and the family are fighting against Cypher's underlings, is what's happening in this movie. Right. Right? Yeah. So Shaw's fighting against them, 
but they're just both fighting for the same thing. So they're kind of infighting, but they're just fighting against Cypher still in this movie. The, and then late... The one thing that they... The one explanation this movie gives on why Shaw and Mosey Jaconda team up is because it's the enemy of my enemy. That they're both... They both hate <laughs> Dom, right? Because yes. Dom has God's Eye, which Mosey Jaconda wants, and Dom crippled, essentially, Owen Shaw, right? So they're both... Yep. They team up, but it still doesn't really quite make sense... No, it doesn't. Narratively. It really doesn't. It, it, just one scene of them coming together. One scene. Or one scene of the guy financing Shaw. Like, just give him some money and then that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I love it. Keep in mind, I don't watch the movie for the plot. I watch it for, like, family. Cars doing cool shit. So I'm always happy. Once again, fitting right into this podcast, because like, there's, there's been more than a handful of episodes where Joe and I are like, I don't remember what happens next. Like, we can tell you, like, who's sitting where at the barbecues and, like, you know, who, <laughs> who's eating what. But, like, we're just like, how do they get from there to there? I don't know. Like, because it doesn't matter. Like, we don't care. It doesn't. Like, we care, but we don't care. It's all about the feeling you get watching the movie. Like, I don't necessarily pay attention. It's just, like, to be immersed in this, like, ridiculous world. Joe, do you have anything that you uh, you noticed this time around that you have not, uh, we've not talked about previously? Yes, only because last night I was introducing Zach to Point Break. Before Kate's love of the car jump scene, Dom says specifically, nothing sadder than a beast in a cage. And we all know the end of Point Break is, can't live in a cage, man. It can't, can't be in a cage, man. Mm. Yeah, so I was like, I thought that was a little Point Break. This, this is a question I had. We're figuring out the timeline. The chain gives us a really good picture of the timeline, right? How is Elena not showing at all in this movie? Yup. When she's yep. pregnant at the end of six, we go all the way through seven, and she has no belly at all. Like, she's not, like, trying to hide it. Nothing. Yup. We've tried to figure this out, Joe, and we don't have an answer to this. Remember, Wes wrote in that very complicated timeline of everything and it makes sense if you follow the chain the timeline it gives you everything in the timeline it tells you exactly when what happened right and none of it may like elena is the one thing that doesn't track like that's the one that's like the most glaring proof i think that like because she'd have to be like six to seven months pregnant at this point right because like, it was not her storyline it wasn't her storyline they retconned it for eight it was gonna yeah. be mia ah, this makes so much more sense they just threw it in there because it was gonna be mia and baby brian and so I don't think they would shoot Mia in eight. I think that they were going to save her, but they just killed her, baby mama, because she's no longer, like, she's married to Chris Hemsworth. She don't need this no more, you yep, know? Yep, No. But yeah, no, it's, if you look at it under that lens, it all makes sense. I like that no, a lot. No, it does. I, I'm really buying into your theory, and I think we're going to have to borrow that if you don't mind. Go for it. For, for, the, for the continuation <laughs> of this, because I like it. Yeah, and if you re-watch it sort of like with the lens, so that's what I did yesterday, because I've seen this movie enough. It's like, okay, what sounds like this was the original plan versus what sounds like this is like post-Paul Walker? They scrambled to create this story. It makes way more sense if... If Elena isn't pregnant, Mia was the one who was going to have the baby taken, and they're going to have to save Paul Walker's baby. It makes so much yep. more sense. I because then that would take him out of retirement anyway. Maybe they always planned on like doing the send-off. Maybe they didn't, but it, it tracks. It does track, it does. for sure. Hey, Kate, I have, a, I, I have a pop quiz for you. Pop quiz, hotshot. This is something that Joe and I did not know, <laughs> so if you get the answer wrong, we're, we're all in alignment here. Okay. Uh, also... In eight, Roman and Tej don't know the answer to this question, so you would be Shit. five for five here. Uh, what's Ramsey's first name? Oh. They never say it. As far as I know, they never say Joey, it. Just, yeah, they never say it. I want to say Monique, but I don't think You're that's it. You're very close. You're close. Closer than I would have imagined. It's yeah. Megan. 
M-E-G-A-N, according to the Fast and Furious wiki, because I Googled her today, and it's Megan Ramsey, and I was like, huh. huh? And the only thing I can think, the only time we might have seen that is on, like, the FBI's most one, like, you know, when they're filing through things in 8, or maybe this movie sometime. I don't know. Megan Ramsey. I, I asked Joe, like, we had never heard that before. And you don't really see a lot of British girls named Megan. Really? It kind of sounds like a British girl named no. me. No. I lived there for three years. I never met a Megan. Mm. Lots of Joes. Lots of Frias. Lots of Lucy's. Freya. Yeah. Is a nice name. I knew a lot of Freya's. At the end of eight, where she's like, if either of you tell me my first name, I'll go on a date with you. And they're both like, uh. That's true. Ramsey. Ramsey's your first name, right? And so they don't know. And just, I was looking up her character on the internet today, and I was just like, oh, huh. So that was, that was new, that was new news to us. That, that's yeah. news to me. Although I like Ramsey. I, I want her to stay in the family. She will. She's not going anywhere. Not, I can't see it happening. Actually, you know what? She's likely to, yeah, she's, she's one to get likely cut, huh? I don't know, because Michelle Rodriguez said they did such a bad job with women in the franchise that she threatened to stop doing the movies if they didn't get better. Maybe they won't. Maybe the, Ramsey is their, their way to say, we're sorry, Michelle. Also, now that Game of Thrones is over, what is she doing? True. Yeah. Another detail noticed on computer screens. Uh, do either of you know the two nicknames of the guys that Hobbs captures? Like when he's doing his stamping, he's sweating from stamping early in the movie. <laughs> no. uh, he stamps two names. Uh, the two nicknames he stamps are, I don't remember the first and last names. One is called Scar, boring, <laughs> and the other one is called Meaty, M-E-A-T-Y. Like just like a big meaty beefy meaty. boy. So Scar and Meaty. I was like, oh. Okay. That has to be someone's real nickname on set, for sure. I would like, yeah. like production guys, like, you know, camera guys, like Grip has or something. Be. Yeah, has Probably to be. Probably even their pictures. I would love that. Oh, for sure. That's, yeah, that's the shit that happens on movies, for sure. Also in that same scene, now, this is me overthinking it, but what is the point of having a podcast about nine movies if you're not overthinking things? Like, we have Justice for Han, right? And it's all like, yeah. we, yes. need to, we need to retcon, we need to make sure that, that Shaw gets his due. But Shaw, in this movie, gets the information on where Han is from Hobbs's computer. And I wonder, yep. yes. it's not Hobbs's fault, but I wonder if that is ever going to, like if he's complicit in that act because he allows Shaw to hack his files, hack his computer. Yeah, if he just had Norton antivirus, this would have never happened, right? See, I don't think we'll ever see it because I don't think Vin Diesel and The Rock ever want to film a scene together again. True. But what if it's a scene where Vin Diesel, like where they fight? Who would win? They both have contracts that say they can't lose. Exactly. There's a thing I think on Slash Film. I think it's about their contracts, like or maybe about... I read it. What, yeah, but I read it's that. about like the extreme lengths they go to to make sure that they do not look weak on screen. Yeah, Vin Diesel's sister even counts the punches to make sure he's not taking too many. I read that. Yep. What I really liked is on Twitter I read an anecdote about Keanu Reeves and and John Wick 3 those two guys that beat the shit out of Mm -hmm. him but he doesn't kill he made sure those two didn't get killed out of respect for the practice sessions because they helped him so much in the fight choreography oh that's so cool yeah that he's like no these guys live yeah he said that they beat his ass so much in real life that he couldn't like bring himself yeah. to kill them as John Wick because he knew he couldn't beat them up in real yeah. life. And I thought that was super cool too. Yeah. I agree. And you compare it to Vin Diesel and The Rock and Statham. My thing is this. I think The Rock will take a hit, but I don't think The Rock will take a hit if the other guys aren't taking a hit. So I think yeah. Vin Diesel sets the tone. And I think Statham and The Rock match that to keep up their own egos. And it just, I feel like we suffer as a result. Did both of you see Once Upon a Time in yes. Hollywood? I haven't yet, no. Okay, there's a tiny part of it that I want to talk about. It's not a spoiler or anything. In the movie, at one point, they talk about 
when you have an aging action star. So when somebody brought this up to me today, this is the only thing I could think about, is that when you have like an aging action star, they bring the aging action star into a franchise or a movie, and they have a new younger guy who's yep. going to be the new yep. guy on the scene. And then if he beats up the older guy, you know, in the movie, he beats up the older guy, whatever. It's not a big deal. But everybody as the audience sees it as somebody beating up... Passing of the torch. The passing of the torch. So like if, if The Rock got beat up in one of these movies, we would be like, oh shit, The Rock got beat up. Even Jason Statham, you're like, oh shit, The Transporter got beat up. You would tie it emotionally to something much deeper. As much as it's a bunch of ego bullshit too, I think that they also aren't at a point yet where they're where they're trying to pass the torch they're like look we're all still stars of this so like you're not gonna have me get my ass kicked by the new guy on the scene i want to give them a little bit more credit for this like i think it's annoying like your sister counting the punches that you take like that's like a new level of douchiness to add to this the the main idea of like you know you don't want to see vin diesel get beat up by anyone like kind of still rain it has it has a hold for me like i'm like okay that that makes sense but but brian did it perfectly in f7 when you know the yeah. callback so i guess my point is it's not like you do need to get your ass kicked in a movie but at the end you need to kick the guy's ass of the guy who kicked your ass like that's my issue yes, you could take a loss if you're yes. an overall win but yeah. these guys don't take the loss ever and that's what just feels so disingenuous to me like brian took the loss saved himself and then killed the guy at the end and it was funny you know yeah like that's what's missing like vin diesel doesn't do that vin always had this role where like he was like he wasn't gonna ever lose right but then you bring in the rock and the rock isn't equal to him and he's like i can never lose and then you bring in jason statham he's like so now you just have three of them and you're like god one of you guys have to like take yeah take some hits sometime 100 percent. i just think statham should be that one statham needs to be the straight guy most likely he's also the oldest too one thing that we've learned though through the tom tom club that i'm doing with mike with hanks and Cruz, is that even 10 years even before that but like we're like 10 years into tom cruise's career multiple times i'm reading the imdb trivia about how like just adding tom cruise to the movie has completely rewritten both the movie and how they treat the character because yep. like he joins like there was this movie the firm which is not great but it's fine it's, it's fun uh where he plays a lawyer in this conspiracy theory and his character was supposed to die at the end and because tom cruise was cast the studio was like oh no tom cruise can't die and even if it's not like in a contract where he's like i can't die it's the same kind of thing like if you see skyscraper you see rampage you see like a dumb fun the rock summer blockbuster movie whatever and he dies you're gonna walk away kind of bummed because like you want to see him just beat against all odds and if you sort of watch one or two of those a year either in theaters or on dvd or on hbo or whatever and then you see him in this movie you're kind of like oh i know that he's invincible like he beat you know an oversized monkey he beat a a (laughs) skyscraper that's on fire he beat the earthquakes in san andreas he can beat a car you know what i mean like i feel like we have there's nothing wrong with him we've elevated him to such star stature that we can't see him fail and i think that the the beauty of this franchise but also the where they're in trouble is because there's so many of them as we've been talking about where like none of them can lose and so what's the way to do that is they you spin them off and form unlikely alliances so that they can co- uh, you know, collectively beat Idris Elba as opposed to having to fight one another and having one of them lose. Exactly. But it was, okay, I don't want to do spoilers for Hobbs and Shaw, but I'm going to do spoilers. You can. You can. We already, already we, by this out. point, we, yeah. we will have already uh, released an episode about it. Okay, good. The way they killed Idris Elba was so fucking stupid because it was clear 
that in each of their contracts, they didn't want the other guy to do it, so the computer had to decommission him. That was fucking dumb. Nobody wanted to get the kill shot? Yeah. yeah. Nobody wanted the other guy to get the kill shot. And it's just like, let the story dictate this shit. Like, suck it up. You're making millions of dollars. Have a fun story, you know? And it takes away from that for me. I'm really hoping that, much like what 4 did for me, that Hobbs and Shaw, and hopefully what Nine is going to do, they have a really good way of shining a light backwards. So I'm hoping that they did have a plan for Hobbs and Shaw 2, and there's a reason why it was decommissioned by the, you know, omniscient voice, all of these things, and, like, it will be revealed later. I try to give them the benefit of the doubt, like, that it's not, you know, who doesn't want, who, somebody doesn't want the other person to get the kill shot. I want it to be, like, oh, there's a reason for it, like. I chalk that up just to the fact that, like, we have seen, like, he literally has a spine made of steel, right? Like, he is more robot than human. I just sort of chalk that up to the fact that, like, they can't kill him. Like, he cannot die. And so the only way okay. to actually physically kill him is for the computer to kill him. I, I didn't, maybe I'm just not watching it. And, you know, also, I wasn't like Kate where I was not enjoying the movie or thought it wasn't as good as the rest of them or whatever. Like, I was into it and I wasn't trying to look for flaws. I'm not saying that's, like, yeah. a bad way to watch it, Kate. I'm just sort of saying, like, different oh, yeah, mindset totally. or whatever. We'll get there but in 15 watches. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't see it as, oh, The Rock can't kill him because then Jason Statham will be angry. It's like they physically can't kill him. Yeah, but what came first? That, like the story? Or the neither The Rock or Statham will allow the other to get the kill shot, so let's come up with a reason why. Hollywood Insider. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's the latter. I think just reading what I read about their contracts and the punches and then seeing that movie... It's antiseptic. It's it's honestly lost all sort of like grit, and it's just like a clean, sterile hospital room. It, it doesn't have personality for me. Guys, I want you to understand, I was so hyped about this movie. This was like the movie I was looking forward to. I fucking love this franchise and these characters, and I watched it. It's just like, really? Like, are we really not going to talk about how Jason Statham is like 56 and Vanessa Kirby's 31, but they're supposed to be five years <laughs> apart? Are we really not going to? Like, where's Owen Shaw? Like, where is all of this That's shit? what I want to know. Where's Owen? Where's Owen at string? And I would rather that Shaw was an anti-hero than a good guy, because what he did to Han was cold-blooded. I think it worked in the context of, like, Fast 7. I fucking loved it. I really did. To then try to go, like, retcon it after the fact. To be like, no, no, he's a good guy. And what he did to Han, blah, 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 blah. Maybe Han's not dead. It's just, it's just like, it lacks balls. That was a fucking gutsy, ballsy move to have Statham kill Han. And now you're trying to walk it back and redeem him? Like, no, no, there's no good reason for what he did to Han. He was he was familying it, though. Yeah, but they do that after the fact. I guess I guess my point is, is I would rather much watch, like, a redemption arc from, like, you're a super piece of shit but now you're an anti-hero and you work together for a common goal and we can never quite trust you and maybe you'll turn on us, then like this, no, I'm a good guy now. That's what we can hope for. We can hope in Hobbs and Shaw too that Shaw just like takes a wild turn. I don't think they can do it, but it would be great if he like becomes a villain again. Yeah, he was such a good villain. Dude, the opening scene of him talking to Owen and then like you zoom out and he's fucking killed like 20 like black ops like like people. Yeah. That's cool. Like you know that they're going to like retcon it so that wasn't military or police that was like the bad guys 
you know, that's that's where they're going with that. So, Kate, I have one more question for you about Hobbs and Shaw while we are back in the waters of Hobbs and Shaw. Who do you think is the voice that they're listening to at the end that's sort of talking to Idris all movie long? I mean, I hope it's Keanu. That's what we, that's what we hope, too. We hope. That's my main hope. So yes. I, guess, I guess the question is, do you think it's someone we have not met yet, or do you think it's someone that we do know? I think it's someone we haven't met yet. Or okay. maybe Twist. I always forget Elsa Pataki's character's name, because let's be honest, she's Elena. not... Elena, she's she's not that important to the yeah. franchise. Mighty Thor. Yeah. Like, I never think anybody's dead in this franchise, like, ever. I don't think Han's dead. I don't think Elena's dead. I don't think anybody's dead. Hell, Vince isn't dead. The only one who's dead is the dude from the first movie. Jesse. Jesse's dead, for sure. Basically, anybody else could come back, and maybe it will be. Here's what I think. They don't know who the voice is yet. My theory, and I will have talked about this last episode, and the only thing, I, and it's not really much of a theory, but when Peyton Reed made the first Ant-Man, uh, he wanted Michelle Pfeiffer to play the original Wasp, to play Ant-Man's, you know, to play Michael Douglas's wife. But he could not get her, or they did not need her, because, like, there was, you know, there's basically be one scene where she had no lines or whatever, and so he cast an actress to basically play in that role, to play in the suit that would look like Michelle Pfeiffer. And then when they made Ant-Man and the Wasp, they were actually able to get Michelle Pfeiffer, and so they sort of, you know, fulfilled that destiny. I think it's something, you know, like a Keanu Reeves or like some grand you know, really A-list actor who they wanted to get but didn't necessarily need for this movie because it would have been too much story. And so instead of for, like showing at the end of this movie that it's X, Y, or Z, they just keep it a mystery and then in the next movie we find out who that is and then we just yeah. do the whole thing from there. Here's who I want it to be because I think it'd be really funny. Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all, all right, right, all right, all right. <laughs> right? I'm with it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? Or Timothy Chalamet. Or Timothy Chalamet. I also think, you know, I can't believe that you have said you never think anybody's dead, but like Giselle is the very, like the clearest example of like, we didn't see her body. Yup. But she's dead. No, I think nobody, unless you see a body, they are not dead. When we killed off Han too, like, what are they going to do? Bring Wonder Woman back? Yeah. And just like have her be drifting around? Angry. Yeah. Yeah. You killed killed Han. I'm coming after you, Shaw. I don't think, I truly don't think anyone's dead. This, this franchise defies like It'd be pretty badass if it was Giselle, right? If Giselle comes back and she's like, remember me, Hobbs, and it was Giselle. That'd be rad. I would really like that. Yeah. Good call. Because like Owen survived the plane crash, right? We saw Giselle. She got like engined or whatever, but like we didn't see a body. So she didn't get engined. She fell into like the mist basically yeah she just tumbled down the runway yeah we don't know like if there wasn't cypher underneath that ready to catch her like somebody could have been there mr nobody could have been there like there's so many options like to retcon it yeah yeah before we play a couple games here before we uh you know wrap up and do anything is there anything else about furious seven we would love to have you back because you are so passionate i feel like we're only (laughs) just scratching the surface here of what you want to talk about and maybe we'll bring you and brian back because brian introduced us to you and brian's sort of our unofficial one per lap every lap forever guest (laughs) <laughs> Maybe we'll bring the two of you back together. But specifically about Furious 7, um, is there anything else about this movie that you want to talk about? Because again, I feel like we're just scratching the surface. There's so much more that I want to talk to you about. But in the sort of in the interest of time and knowing that we have this podcast forever, we can bring you back. <laughs> what about Furious 7 do you want to talk about before we uh, play a couple games? You know, I just want to give like a shout out to one of my other favorite scenes when Dom does that kicks up that like round of dust and then drives off the mountain. That is just awesome. Yes. Like that's like the franchise at its best like this is why i love this movie and this is why it's my favorite is the story doesn't make any sense but that doesn't matter like the fight scenes and the stunts and like just the characters are just like Mwah! what is it el, el, il boche el boche el boche, el boche. El boche. you mean is that a scene where that where ramsey says you're pointing the wrong way and he says yep. 
am I now? And then, yep. boom! Just off a cliff. Yep. Drives straight off a cliff. So good. Yeah. It's, oh, it's so good. This movie, I think, truly, other than the safe scene in Fast Five, like, best stunts of all of them. Yeah, this this has great stunts. This stunts got really good. So I know that we're, I know that I'm sort of, you know, wrapping up or whatever, but I do want to say, so when they're in the Middle East, when they're on the beach and, you know, Roman and Tej are hitting on from afar, they're hitting on Ramsey, like, oh, that's a perfect woman, whatever. Then we cut over and just Brian and, uh, Brian and Dom are just sitting there not talking. And I was thinking how much of their lives are probably spent just listening to Roman and Tej talk, or specifically <laughs> talk, listening to Roman talk. Be. Then I was thinking, when they get thrown out of the plane, right, and Tej pushes the button, and they jump, they shoot Roman's car out of the plane, I know that Tej wasn't there in Too Fast, Roman says, ejecto cedo, cuz. But how many times do you think Roman has told that story, even though Tej wasn't in the car, that he has had to have heard that story? Like, oh, yeah. And then we were dri- like, every time there's a new person, like, then we were driving. And I said, ejecto cedo, cuz, and I knocked him out of the car. Like, you know that yeah. they've all heard that story a hundred times. So I would yep. have loved when Roman gets shot out of the plane for Tej or Brian or anyone, to, or all of them together, to be like, ejecto cedo, cuz, and then have him shoot. Like, it's the perfect timing it didn't happen i'm gonna say something i don't think that the people who make this franchise remember everything about this franchise as much as the fans they do they miss a lot of easter egg shit like that that we think about all the time <laughs> we're like god damn they really flubbed that line like why didn't they just do this it'd be an awesome callback everybody would have lost their minds and it's just like oh because they probably never saw two <laughs> But I feel like, you know, as we have been more active on Facebook and Twitter in terms of just putting things out there and having people respond to it, I feel like of all the lines in this franchise, that's got to be one of the five most beloved. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many people. Yeah. Like, there was that meme you put out, Joe, that said... Yeah, who says you can't hear a picture? And it was just Roman holding the button. And everyone knows that Everybody knew exactly (laughs) what it was. So Everybody knew. It went really, really hard. Uh, Yeah, people were like about it yeah i was like damn i didn't know that everybody knew it like that yeah. this franchise is eternal that's all i have to say yes very much so it won't die <laughs> i agree okay kate are you ready to find out which fast oh, and furious character so you good. are oh yeah let's do it joe found a quiz online okay. that it was zimbio.com was zimbio.com was a personality quiz just like a 17 magazine one of those magazines was like which character i was are you? looking i was looking up for a which character Fast and the Furious character are you quiz. And it was I found a really great one. It was one. good, but we were like, we it can do good. a better one. Okay. Oh, I'm excited. So we have seven questions. There are six answers to each question, and there are twenty different outcomes. The the quiz that we yeah, found we only designed six. Our own. We have twenty outcomes. One of our I listeners, Wes, wrote a description, like a, a sort of flavor text for each answer. So not only are you gonna find out who you are, but hopefully it's gonna describe you. Get your to like a little oh, I'm excited. J14 blurb at the end too. So again, no wrong answers. This is just like who you are as a person. You know, if you want to do who you want to be, whatever. No wrong answers. All good things. Question number one: Kate Hudson, how fast are you? NASCAR, <laughs> roller coaster, Lamborghini Murcielago, Toyota Prius, Vespa, or Razor scooter? Oh, I'm a roller coaster for sure. Okay. Just popular answer. Question number two, and you know it's coming. How furious are you? Are you the Hulk, Kylo Ren, Christian Bale on that one set that one time? <laughs> no. Mel Gibson, Charlie Brown, or Jack McBrayer? Oh, I'm kind of Jack McBrayer. You, you feel like a Jack McBrayer. You feel yeah. very... It feels like it. Yeah. It feels yeah. like it to me. I don't get mad very easily. We have been surprised by a couple people's guesses that like, oh, I'm the Hulk. We're like, wait, Massive what? rage. What? Yeah. <laughs> 
No, I'm, I'm more inclined to laugh than to get mad at any time. Background to this question. So, Kate, you live in Los Angeles, the greater Los Angeles area. Um, I know from your from your Twitter that maybe you are sort of looking elsewhere. However, oh God, yes. in eight years, on 1327, you know their, their address, the, where the house is, <laughs> on January 3rd, 2027, Joe You're and I are ideally going to rent out or just pay the people who own that house and we're going to have a barbecue in the backyard in January. They don't know yet. And celebrate it's going to be eight years from 1327. Now. So, fast forward eight years in the <laughs> future, 1327. Kate. You're there. We're having okay. a barbecue. How are you helping? Are you manning the grill? Saying grace? Kicking back with a beer? Babysitting? Being the entertainment? Or sneaking a snack? Kicking back with a beer. Okay. Now, Kate, you've got time to kill. What are you doing? Are you going to be grabbing a bite? Are you working on your car? Are you hanging with friends? Are you once again drinking a beer? Are you working out? Or are you working on your computer? Ooh, hanging with friends. Okay. Ideally drinking, but that's secondary. <laughs> okay, I don't I don't know the answer. Are you married? No. So I want you to describe your ideal, your dream wedding, okay? Okay. I'm never getting married. It's just me and my partner. It's us and our families. It's a backyard country affair. Everyone I know is there. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. It <laughs> okay. has to be that. Okay. Because <laughs> you're going to black out or you're going to get like fake murdered and then come back in a movie or two? Why not both? You That's got a good me. answer. <laughs> All right, Kate, we gave this hypothetical earlier in the episode, but congratulations. You just won the lottery. You have won a windfall of money. What are you buying? Your own garage? A private plane? You're going to gamble it all away? You're buying your childhood home? You're buying a fleet of cars? Or you're buying a new life? Find a new life. That'd be fun. You know, I don't know you too well, but I thought I thought that might be the answer. I thought that was going to be where we're going, so I felt right? I, I felt good about that. Yeah. Last Why question. Not? What is your drink of choice? Oh. Belgian ale, Corona, something fruity, water, whatever's cheapest, or whatever you're having. Ooh. Whatever you're having. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Ooh, Joe, do you have any guesses? I don't. I don't. I'm uh I was going to say Ramsey, but not enough computery ones. So you are not a new character. There's one other person who Good. has gotten this. It shouldn't come as a surprise that you fit in so well here because you, like me, are a Mia. I thought I might be. So here's here's yep. the write-up for Mia. This describes both you and me. Family <laughs> means everything to you, but people often mistake you for being meek or non-confrontational. You tend to take on a supporting role and let others handle the more exciting tasks because it's more important to you to know that someone is watching over everyone else than to seek glory for yourself. Even so, you're not afraid to jump into the fray when your family's on the line and you drive like the wind Like the blows. wind blows. <laughs> That's amazing. So is there any character that nobody's ever gotten in this quiz? Yes. yes. So we've only done this there's quiz for about eight or ten people. Okay. And we've probably gotten about six or seven different answers. So there's most of the characters. We're still new to this. Um, new to the, you know, dishing out the quiz. But there's still a bunch of characters that nobody know. I mean, people can sort of assume who we have, but they've not heard the write-ups yet. And Wes wrote all of them. They're so beautiful. Also, I want to give a shout-out. We mentioned on the Hobbs and Shaw preview episode, we might mention in the beginning, I don't know, but that commercial break music, written by Wes Hampton as well. So uh, thank you again, Wes, for writing that. A man of many talents. Right? Yep. Jack of all trades. Yep. Yeah, so you are Mia. So I know that you uh, prefer to be a Letty, even though you could, you know, Letty could kick your ass, but the quiz doesn't lie. Doesn't. I think Mia is like an assassin. No one really knows what Mia is about. We don't know her. She's she's anybody. She's like the wind. She's a Swayze. Yeah. 
and you drive like the wind blows. Everybody right? drives like the wind blows. Well, not everybody. Most people drive like <laughs> the wind blows. Some people do other things as the wind blows. <laughs> On the Zimbio quiz, we took it and we tried to see how many characters we could get. We eventually like found, you know, like we got like pretty much every character that was out there. Every one of them ended with, and you drive like the wind blows. <laughs> so we were like, we obviously have to keep that part of the quiz. So now just everybody drives That's like amazing. the wind blows. But Mia's coming back for Fast 9, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. She is. Very She's excited. On set, yeah. I'm worried about that, to be honest. Well, I'm more worried about if they give in to the estate of Paul Walker and return Brian to the movies via his brother, because I do his not want brother. that to happen. Yeah. I don't want Brian to die. Brian's done. I, they just let Brian be. Brian's taking care of Jack and the baby in wherever they want. No extradition. <laughs> They're fine. They're fine. They do tag in, tag out with Jordana Brewster. He's like, look, it's babysitting time for me. She's like, I've been home for too long. And she goes on an adventure. I hope they solve it. Maybe there's another Toretto in need. So that's why Mia gets called up and not Brian, I hope. A Toretto in need is a Toretto indeed. <laughs> indeed, yeah. All right, Kate, there's one more game that we play here. It's called Boy. This ain't no 10 second race, a.k.a. Oh, Boy, yes. do we have a podcast for you. I like almost forget about this every time. And it makes me so happy every time I do. Okay. So, Kate, in Sorry. our quest to become the most popular podcast on the face of the planet... We go to Twitter, and each episode, each of us finds one tweet from someone that we don't know that we send a tweet to from at Too Fast Too Forever. We say, boy, do we have a podcast for you, and link them to the show page. So that in theory, you're going to find a tweet that's sent by someone who you think might enjoy the podcast, might love these movies, might want to talk to us. And the goal of this is to get them to either like, retweet, reply, or email us. Go on Twitter, you know, poke around, find a tweet. When you find one, send it to us in Discord. Read it on air, and I will send out the tweet. But as you're doing that, I'm going to review last episode. So last episode, uh, Joe, we did with Rachel at your house. Joe, you found at Degard on Twitter, Degard. I don't want to hear whatever jokes the Fast and Furious writers make about Hobbs fucking Shaw's sister. Boy, do we have a podcast for you? <laughs> it got a like, but the like was from Ben Milliman, so that doesn't count. So because he knew oh, he's in on it, so no points. Yeah. Although Ben, shout out, thank you for bringing that tweet because that's another notification that Degard got, but Degard still did not reply. No. I found Road Zero or Road Isle at Road Zero X decided against waiting till my birthday to see Hobbs and Shaw. So going at eleven thirty a.m. on Friday, boy, do we have a podcast for you? Nothing. Rachel found Erin Scaife, or Scaife for America, at Erin's Cafe. This is what true love looks like, and it's the gif of Dom catching Letty in air on the the tank scene in Fast and Furious 6. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. <laughs> Nothing. Why are people so hateful? Either we're, we're picking the wrong people, or it's getting like filtered out of spam. I don't know. I wanted to kind of like position it when, when like I had the idea... The response is very robotic, as if it was like in like like a tweet that just like was auto sent, and I kind of like that idea of it. That I want it to sound like you know we just sent this like every time somebody mentioned something random because I like to pick really random tweets most of the time, so people would be like, "How the fuck did this bot find me?" <laughs> and like that's my ultimate dream of like how this game works. And that but we've had people be like, "Like what the fuck are you talking about?" And you know what I mean? Or like, "Why are you responding to this?" And you're like, "Well." <laughs> that we're a real person, not a bot. But While we were playing this last time, Kate, we had someone uh, that we did not target. We gave it to him, but he just said, 
I, these fucking movies fucking suck, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to watch all the movies, and I'm going to listen to all your podcasts. I'm going to write in why we're like, cool, go for it. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, that's It started out with, like, fuck these, yep. like, fuck yep. the Fast and the Franchise, <gasps> Fast and Furious movies. And we were like, boy, do we have a podcast for you. And he was like, oh, no, I respect you guys. And, like, you're fine. I just hate these movies. And we're like, that's cool. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to listen to your podcast. Like, okay, man. Like, keep going. Yeah. So hopefully he's here now, and he's written in. It, he's listening to this one. I want to know if he still and hates it. I don't know. I feel like we're infectious. Like our love for it feels infectious, but I don't know. In the meantime, this is the first time ever that I found one quicker okay. than anybody else. Golden Deer Babysitter at Dainty Dropkicks. Oh, also saw Hobbs and Shaw today, and now I got to watch all the Transporter and Crank movies again. Boy, do we have a podcast we have a for podcast you. podcast for you. All right, Kate, do you want to read who you found, what the tweet is? Yours is incredible. Kate, Kate won this <laughs> round, by the way. So I found uh, from Mark Meredith, Dice Monkey. And his tweet is, Roman is the Jar Jar Binks of the Fast and Furious franchise. It's <laughs> a hot take. I love it. That is See, this is what I'm saying. Brutal. Like, it, When they get the tweet that says, boy, do we have a podcast for you? And it's like all cheery. They'd be like, how the fuck did this bot find? Like, what was it searching for? You know, like, it's like super specific. And like, why did it just find me? I want, I want the confusion in their response, too. I, this guy seems like he might be fun or a serial killer. We'll we'll find out. Yeah, it, it'll be fun. Yeah, we'll figure it out soon. <laughs> so I found Tal Poncho at Holo Skoj, S-K-O-J. This is one of the longest tweets that we've had so far, I think. Yeah, but I think you and I kind of had the same idea. Yep. Saw Hobbs and Shaw is probably in the top three if you're counting it in the franchise of Furiouses. <laughs> Great cameos, insane over-the-top action, good callbacks slash tributes. I thought it was over, and then it goes on for 30 more minutes of action. Solid 9 of 10. Hashtag Joel thoughts. Hashtag movie review. Yeah. Seems like our kind of also, guy. You know what I his mean? Twitter bio is Waffle and Pancake Enthusiast, which I firmly second. That is a great thing to be. I Question, can't. waffles or pancakes? I got, I'm firmly team waffle. So it, it goes waffle, then it goes pancake, then it goes Belgian waffle below pancake. I don't, I do not like. Wait, what? What the fuck's the? Di- what are you? Talking I like a thin about? waffle. I like a yeah, real thin. Yeah, you waffle. like a crispy one. Yes. Like an ego, basically. I like an ego, or I like, you know, because my mom, Weird. like, growing up, the, the, the waffles, the homemade waffles that my mom made were basically sort of like square egos. Like, they were, you know, from scratch or from the, the mix or whatever. But I don't like yeah. an airy, sweet, bready Belgian. Like, that's too much for me. But I like the, like, sort of, Weird. essentially, ego, then pancake, then Belgian. It depends. Blueberry pancakes above all else. True. Right? I'm with mm-hmm. you. And then regular. I'm coming after my own heart. Rego, re, like regular waffle. Did you say rego? I, I, rego yeah, waffle? I did. I got a little confused. Rego ego. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> rego ego. Regular pancakes. Belgian. I'm firmly team pancake. Rachel is team waffle. So often I have to, much of my life, give up that part of myself for her. <laughs> Eat waffles. I'm pro blueberries in them. I agree with you. I put blueberries in the waffles to make them more tolerable for me. I would go like a nice short stack over a waffle any day, though. I like every variation and anything you could put in a pancake makes me really happy. But like a nice fluffy pancake over a waffle every time. Love it. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us on this very special episode, Furious 7 Lap 4. Because of you, we have now been introduced to this entire other realm of Pajiba writers. I hope that this is now the talk of your Slack thread tomorrow. I hope you go to them. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. <laughs> have them listen to all 44 episodes. If they are anything like you, they we cannot you wait. from the chat because they think you're a spam. <laughs> we cannot wait to talk to them because you have been a delight. And thank you for joining us on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Until next time. I am just. Yeah, please. You, you have just shaken please. me to my core. 
at what to expect yeah. from Hobbs and Shaw, just whether people liked it or not. I'm fascinated. You have set the bar. There's literally nowhere to go but up for the uh, Hobbs and Shaw yeah. ranking. But you have set the you set the baseline at the worst Fast and Furious movie for Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> so you know we'll see where it goes. I mean, just one closing thought though: the worst Fast and Furious movie is still better than. A lot of them. Yeah. That, that's like the perfect, once again, saying things that we've said over and over again. Joey used that as his tagline, essentially. <laughs> you know, I don't like, I don't like Fate of the Furious, but, you know, it's still better than most movies, or if not better than, more enjoyable than, for sure. Yes. I think it's more important for a movie to be enjoyable than good. Fair. I'm with you. So now, Kate... I watch a lot of Lifetime, so... <laughs> Kate, can you uh, explain to our listeners where they can find your writing? Because I think specifically, I think you had, you had written at least one thing, if not more than one thing, on Pajiba about Fast and Furious. So, like, if you want oh, to God, yeah. direct people toward some of your favorite writing or some of the things they might like the most or whatever, plug yourself. That sounds dirty, but... <laughs> it does. Said on purpose. Right? We'll just we'll just we'll just breeze past that. Um, I write. I have two articles a night, Monday through Thursday, and I'm the weekend person at Pajiba. So basically, go to Pajiba, you'll find me, and I'll probably be writing about The Rock, Hobbs and Shaw, or Fast and Furious because I or Nicolas Cage and Con Air because I love it all. It's a woman after our own hearts, man. And there's a new. We have not watched it yet. I think Mike and I are going to record an episode this week, and so by the time this comes out, I think the Cage Club episode should come out. But there's a new Nicolas Cage movie that came out on VOD the same day as Hobbs and Shaw, a score to settle. If you want even more Nicolas Cage, it's out there for you. It's the first movie he's put out this year, which is surprising because it's August. So, it, you know, last year he put out, I think, eight movies or something. This year it took us more than seven full months to get to one, but we finally did. He must have paid off his tax debt then and bought more <laughs> dinosaur bones. <laughs> but anyway, for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at too fast too forever on twitter and instagram email us family at cageclub.me check out our patreon page at too fast too forever.com just a quick reminder of what you get over at patreon swag and merchandise early access to episodes bonus episodes the fast and furious minute document your choice of pit stop movies and themes voting for all pit stop fan selected movies and finally, most importantly, our undying love and affection. Go over there. And you drive like the wind blows. And you drive like the wind blows. <laughs> Honorarily drive like the wind blows. But again, thank you all for listening. Come back next week, because this is now, this is a weird thing. Next week is going to be Fate of the Furious. So we're going to do back-to-back core movies, and then a little bit after that, again, Hobbs and Shaw. But next week's going to be Fate of the Furious. Very exciting stuff. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And that was Kate Hudson of Pajiba.com, and we will see you next week for Fate of the Furious right here on Too Fast, Too Forever.